0: Three, two, one. Ah, oh, it's Sunday again. Yes. We, we get to talk about <laughs> weird things that have nothing to do with real estate. Why?
1: There are a lot of weird things these days. It's hard to keep up.
0: <laughs> I know. It's like in the news this morning. What was yes. it? Or just scanning the headlines. Julie and I subscribe to uh, Google Alerts. You guys should do it, too. It keeps you off the uh, incessant, never-ending black hole of normal news sites, right? You go to Fox or whatever, and you scroll down uh, You know, a couple just maybe once or twice and all of a sudden you're awash and all these horrible ads and just, you know, Yuck. garbage. So Google Alerts is the way to go and just use your keywords, whatever is relevant to uh, what you're interested in.
1: Be more selective that way with your news.
0: Right. I mean, Julie told me yesterday, Tim, do you know about all the riots that are happening all over the country? And I'm like, no, what riots? Because I wasn't even yep. looking, you know. And then here it is. We did have our Google Alert set up for the whole thing that's happening right now at the International Space Station. I mean, Which was a better distraction, to be right. quite honest. But how can you have those a time in our lives? This, 2020. This is the craziest year ever. Seriously, craziest. I mean, so, it's like a not-
1: century worth of stuff, all at once. I mean, you got your aliens. We've been reporting on that. You got your uh, cicadas, i.e., kind of related to locusts, is what reminds me of. Because of course, what else do we have? Murdering hornets. <laughs> and then you know not to mention the pandemic so i don't know if there's some kind of contest going on out there for yeah. the weirdest thing to well no you forget
0: you're forgetting a whole bunch and too And the riots and you're uh, forgetting the best one yeah the the uh, navy, uh, navy and the government actually uh, confirmed oh, that yeah. there's oh you said yeah. aliens, yeah, yeah that there's actually ufo's that have been visiting us for some time yeah you know and that they have it caught on film and that we had that as i, a- I
1: think that if they release that little bit of intel during a global pandemic and economic crisis and riots that maybe it'll just be smoothed over Whereas yeah. in normal times, it would right. be a thing.
0: Exactly. You know, maybe they, let's just go ahead and get that out there so we can say we did yeah. it.
1: Like now but, that they've accepted all this other crap,
0: let's let's just layer this one on. They'll just, it'll just, it'll get pushed out on the... You know, it'll, it'll blend. Will, it will blend. It won't be a, oh, pandemics, aliens visiting, of course. That's normal. Of <laughs> course.
1: What the hell? All yeah, right but
0: now. I mean, how cool is it that, it, well, you, you've been following SpaceX. Um, yeah. Because you are a true nerd. I am. Yeah.
1: But it is incredible. Talk about it. I mean, I absolutely don't even pretend to understand any of the math, the engineering, the logistics. But, I mean, you can take any aspect of that historic flight and say, seriously, we can do that? Like, how about, I I was talking to your mom this morning about, you know, the, the trouble that we occasionally have with our internet and not being able to communicate with each other. And here, these these guys are two hundred and sixty miles above the Earth, and all their communication works. So, how how is it? Okay, how much does that cost installing your house? Right. So, to keep that in perspective, I looked it up just so that you know there's some way to compare these things. On on average, when you're cruising at thirty five thousand miles up in the air, you know cruising altitude in a good sized jet, you're about six to six and a half miles above the Earth. The deepest in the ocean you can get is about the same, about six miles down. They're 260 miles up there. Wow. I mean, that, hopefully that gives some perspective to it. And, uh, you know, the International Space Station is flying at 17,000 miles an hour. Yeah. And they can dock. Like, most people can barely put their car in a parking place.
0: I can't pull backwards anymore without a camera. Right? I mean, these guys are studs. (laughs) If I don't have sonars and cameras and all these things, I used to be able to reverse, but I can't anymore. I I know. I've gotten dumb. Well, I don't
1: know. I mean, and then I was wondering how many kids are being born today might be named Bob and Doug boy twins, there's going to be a whole bunch of Bob and
0: Doug twins you just watch. Because those are the astronaut names people yeah. are listening and going, Julie, what the hell are you talking about? But
1: but you're right, you know, those are good astronaut names. Yeah, you want totally. Like, when you get on a plane, I always listen for the pilot's name. You don't want it to be, like, you know, Boba or something.
0: Or some sort of, like, you some know, weird nickname. You, you, want, you want an absolute nerd name, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you want to have confidence in your pilot's yeah. name. So
0: a parent, then these, these astronauts are probably about our age, or, you know, I I'm think, guessing. Yeah. yeah. So, if you have a parent that where their kid was born in the 70s, and they named their kid Trevor, or they gave him some sort of like, you know, moon unit hippie name, you know? Yeah. There's no way that kid's going to become an astronaut. No. It just you, can't happen. Right. You know, you have a baby and you name that thing Bob. What the it's hell else is he going to do? It's a good chance. <laughs> <That's not laughs> I know. Bob or Doug. Yeah. I mean, good names. They are. Good, strong, traditional Absolutely. names. Absolutely.
1: No, nothing weirdo about that.
0: But not real creative names.
1: No. No. Just nice and solid. I like it.
0: <laughs> Julie's name so, was going to be Her mom told us They actually were going to name Julie G- Gigi Gigi
1: Because it's French goes with my maiden name But Yeah Glad we dodged that bullet. Well
0: Gigi Guthrie would have been cool It would have been
1: okay Yeah I could so, have lived with that So now
0: we're, we're going to meander back But um,
1: But as far as the space flight thing I mean just incredible The thing that I liked about it all, all sorts of things which were incredible First of all that You know private industry Funded by the government as well You know this was a good partnership and to be able to prove that you can do a flight like that into space, and it really was seamless. Like, every benchmark that was supposed to happen happened exactly as planned. The astronauts even said on their docking, they said, you know, this is basically what the simulation was like. And the uh, the guy that wrote the simulation was listening. He's like, thank God they said that. You know, that's what you want to hear as he the engineer. Yeah, he's like, you know... That's that's awesome news, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know.
0: I wonder where he figured out how to make the software to know what it's like to, you know.
1: I know, right? It's all engineering and math, I guess. But, um, yeah. you know, that was incredible. But the cool thing that NASA did was that they broadcast this live on Facebook from beginning to end. And they had all the comments from all over the world on the side. And it really, it was definitely people celebrating something very positive positive. In with the backdrop of all this other crazy stuff, so I think that was a really good uniting that happened.
0: It's unfortunate that that's the first time there's been a U.S. launch of a uh, you know Mm -hmm. interstellar vehicle or you know, least since 2011, since the last space shuttle. Yeah, and um, and in
1: fact, one of the astronauts was on the last flight of the last shuttle, so that's sort of cool.
0: Yeah, and uh, in case you guys have been wondering, because I didn't know this either until Nerdball over here told me. (laughs) By the way, if you do hear parrots and wind and whatnot, because, yes, we are outside, so that is the way it goes. Um, but the uh, there were already – they were – how many people were on the space station when they got there? I'm not sure
1: exactly how many. I know there were a couple of Russians and at least one American.
0: Okay. But and, it's
1: been up there for 20 years.
0: And we've been basically riding up to the space station in Russian rockets. On the Soyuz, yes. On the Soyuz. At a
1: very high cost. and in, in fact, SpaceX delivered it in less uh, investment per seat – than what we've been paying on the Soyuz. So that's significant, too.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. You so they're know, able honestly. to do it cheaper. And I, I got a real kick out of looking at the astronauts in their um, spacesuits because I remember mm-hmm. it was either listening on a Joe Rogan podcast or something else where... Elon was talking about the fact that he had a hand in on redesigning the spacesuits. Yeah. And it did totally look like something that somebody who had a hand in on designing a Tesla would have designed. Oh, yeah.
1: Even the even their uh, their seats and the capsule itself, it, it totally looked like they could have been sitting in a Tesla design.
0: Isn't that cool, though? It is cool. I mean, holy crap. I mean,
1: you know, Elon has his moments of wondering where he's going with something and what he's thinking. But he's clearly a brilliant mind. He's going to go down, I think, in history as our modern Einstein or whatever comparison you want to make. He's he's clearly a really smart
0: dude. Einstein is more about theoretical physics and ideas and coming yeah. up with concepts. Elon's more about implementation, I he, think. Elon's getting shit done.
1: Yeah. I mean think about what he manages, what he's created just in his lifetime.
0: Yeah, I know. And he's
1: still fifty ish, maybe less?
0: And I think he's I think he's somewhere uh, like late forties.
1: Okay. Yeah. So I mean he's got a long <laughs> runway to keep on maybe he will actually Get to Mars. You know, my favorite quote from Elon was, I want to die on Mars, just not on impact. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that funny? But he's a dude that you could see actually accomplishing that dream, you know?
0: You know, it's interesting that so many people have a conflict with the idea that why would you want to have any sort of focus on, uh, you know, uh, humans on Mars when it's so foreign to our bodies and it really is i mean there's nothing there that's going to be very friendly no for sure the sojourn there itself is kind of sucky yeah kind of sucky because it's so far and there's so many different radiation yeah and and i i think the answer is because that's why
1: well and it's just like anything else too what are the things that will come as the milestones to get there this was one of them
0: right that's but that that that's actually an interesting. I wrote down some ideas for us to talk about today, but that's an interesting way for us to kind of pivot here because the reality of it is is that if you try to put practical thinking and try to like drill down, which is what we primarily do in our, for our coaching business, but if you try to put thinking like that, it keeps you relatively short term and you know, like I said, practical, yeah, sure. which is how you have to be. But if you really want to think big and if you really want to take yourself to the next level, you have to almost like you have to shed so much of your innate desire to try to have things make logical sense um uh, right. logical on, order based on your current way of thinking. You have to be able to yeah. say like so when I come up with an idea, for example, my brain immediately goes to existing software, Mm -hmm. you know, algorithms for trying to solve a problem, right, in my head. Mm -hmm. But in order to, if you come up with a really, really big challenge, for example, going to Mars, pretty much all your existing software, you're going to immediately sense and feel that it's really obsolete. Right. It's starting with your thinking, that
1: causes you to make changes.
0: Well, to your point. And to upgrade. To your point, though. Like, why would you want to go to Mars? And I think the answer is, honestly, it's because, but then you said something really makes sense. It's because what happens as a result? What are the unintended consequences? So you have to be thinking large enough to realize that just because there is no obvious answers to that question that you just said, based on your current software, that you will discover the answers along the path to actually accomplishing the goal. That's right. Yeah. And
1: I can't remember where I read it, but um, one of the time management goal setting, I don't know, one of those books was talking about how, you know, you don't have to know all of the steps. You probably won't. And in fact, you're kind of arrogant to think that you should know all of the steps to say, get to Mars. Um, But all you have to know is the first one or two steps. And the steps between there and the final steps are all going to change in between anyway. Right. So you have to take action somehow. I mean, I see it with our real estate agents, you know, I mean, what an odd comparison we're doing here, but it's okay. It's all related to taking action. I, you know, the agents who decide that, okay, this is the year I'm going to be a listing agent. What are, you know, maybe I've got a list of what I think it's going to take, but I don't know all of the steps. I do know, let's say I need to have a pre-listing package. Let's start with that. And then that leads to being able to handle objections better. And that leads to more confidence. And then one step follows the next and I think anything in life is really like that. I, I mean, I could relate it to when Zoe was a baby. I didn't know what the hell was going on.
0: You didn't even know what I wanted to talk. Yeah, <laughs> I right. I know. That was scary. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not think about no. that.
1: Too many flashbacks. But anyway, back to our point.
0: We'll never, you and I will never <laughs> emotionally comprehend no. how we, yeah. All right. So let's, uh, we're going to, I have something interesting to talk about. Okay. And it's perfect with what we were just talking about. Good. So you and I are totally vibing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, six months left this year effectively really seven but say June through obviously December six Mm -hmm. months left the first half of the year (laughs) has been
1: well I think January and February were kind of okay but then you know got a little bit off the rails yeah
0: and you know it's probably the the pattern of off the rails is probably going to continue
1: probably seems to be
0: right and so one of the things that um, I was just asking myself personally I mean this Sunday show is You know, you and Julie and I are going to just be Julie and I, I was asking myself this morning and really maybe for the past two weeks, whether or not you and I are thinking big enough Mm -hmm. and we think pretty big. I mean, it was, here's, you know, as we are recording this podcast, Julie and I are sitting in our, you know, beach close villa at the Ritz Carlton in Dorado, Puerto Rico. And, you know, there's so many other things that have happened in our lives. But last year, this time, literally it was May, wasn't it? Or was it April?
1: It was about May.
0: Yeah. Julie and I had seriously, uh, you know, considered and hadn't made the decision yet to actually move here. There are a whole host of reasons why we moved to Dorado. Um, the biggest, the most, the you know, the one that was the most pressing was Julie's health. Julie, it, we were living in north of Austin, Texas, and Julie had basically developed asthma. She was on three different kinds of inhalers. There was no time of year when she wasn't basically a, you know asthmatic mess. Asthmatic yeah, mess. Some yeah. Of my coaching clients will
1: attest to that because I had some cough going on in those calls. And well,
0: our podcast too.
1: And on the podcast, yeah. I mean, and the the three inhalers. That was I finally caved and went to an allergist because yeah, you know, I hadn't had out. Well, that's where you got that. the
0: inhalers from. Yeah,
1: and she, you know, they're like, yeah, you might want to think about moving because the only county in the entire U.S. that has worse pollen, if you're allergic to pollen, as I am, is a county outside of Atlanta. But other than that. Like our actual zip code <laughs> was the worst. Yeah, where we. Had... I, I remember seeing the pollen puffing through the I air, know,
0: big yellow Ugh. clouds that were yeah. almost like opaque. It was intense. Gross. But she had developed a really bad uh, pulmonary issue, obviously. And here's the, I don't know if you thought about this, Julie, mm-hmm. but the coronavirus, people say basically lose yeah. half their lung capacity. That's when she originally right. went and had her ha- had that checked mm-hmm. or, you know, essentially when the pollen was really bad, she had 50% lung capacity yeah. and she was still going to Orange Theory, yeah. you, know, you know, and you were still <laughs> running, you're still doing mean. your three miles a day. Yeah. You know, so moral of the story. I do
1: feel a lot better here. Of course. There are days when we get that weird Saharan dust, considering yeah, that we're directly west of Africa. Yeah. But uh, other than that, it's it's Pretty
0: good. It is batshit crazy to think a couple nerds from Columbus, Ohio that know. you know are now living in the Caribbean. Weirdos, isn't that weird? It is. It is. Anyway, <laughs> so the doctor said essentially, you guys, you know, and this was a doctor who I would assume wanted to keep Julie's business because Julie would have well, been. Well, I was
1: going on three, two to three times a week for allergy shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she we said were good business. <laughs> she
0: told Julie that we should move. That's what she said, and there were like the parameters for where we could move based on. Julie having a noticeable improvement in her health, where we could move was in the United States. Julie just told you, Atlanta. And the only other place was here in Puerto Rico.
1: No, Atlanta was bad. It was the only, like, oh, it was worst the worst place. place. Yeah. Okay. But she said something coastal so that you have wind, breeze, wind, and uh, enough rain to wipe the pollen out. And, you know, she gave me a, a good list. But, uh, yeah, and I, you know, I really liked Georgetown, Texas. There wasn't anything against that. It's just that this was a catalyst. And you know, I'm glad we did.
0: Yeah. So we moved down here, and you're not on anything now, are you?
1: Very little, I, occasional Zyrtec, but it's amazing. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. I, I mean, Zoe, I think had a touch of that too, and she's been better.
0: Well, so there's so. other advantages to moving down to Dorado too. We've done a lot of, we've done a few podcasts specifically on this topic, but the other one is a huge tax incentive. Now you have to have certain meet certain criteria and all the rest of it, but there's a huge tax reason to move here too. Um, if you guys want to learn more about that, just Google uh, Puerto Rico Act 20 and Act 22. You might want to Google also Puerto Rico Act 60. But then there's, you know, honestly, we are ready for a new adventure because we'd realized yeah. that in, in, in Texas, we had basically, uh, we were starting around the bend. We were getting yeah, complacent. Yeah, kind of its course. We were. Yeah. It, I mean, yeah, that was- Yeah, and you
1: know, I have to say our neighbors here are pretty amazing too. Yep. It's really nice to be amongst a lot, tons of entrepreneurs and business people, both men and women. And uh, just some of the conversations I've had at Zoe's school. And it's, it's a really great environment. It, it is a great a good choice.
0: It's, it's shockingly amazing, actually.
1: It is. Now, it comes with earthquakes and hurricanes and yep. other strange things we haven't dealt with before. And generators and solar yep. water, you know. So, uh, but that's all part of being flexible.
0: Well, but here's, you know, mm-hmm. rounding, the, getting yeah. us right back on track, though. When you consider the fact that you and I are not, um, we're not afraid of thinking big. Right. right i mean when we got married and we've been married 29 years this year right 29 mm-hmm. okay Yep. now that wasn't that <laughs> was that yes. wasn't each other we both on our sixth marriage no that's no. a joke Shut up. i like to say that when we go out with people and i say that and julie like gets <laughs> that's mad total years that's total years that's accumulation of all the marriage no <laughs> Just right, kidding. So it's 29 years and um Sometimes when we tell people we met him, uh, met each other in high school, we said that's back when. This is my other bad joke. That's back when marrying your first cousin was legal.
1: Very bad. You
0: know the funny thing too is Julie. When I say that to some people, people totally believe you. They do. I
1: know. <laughs> I cut that out. <laughs> no, I know. but they do. How dumb? It is because they? they're married to their first cousin. I don't know. No, it's no. because you know the real it's reason. You're believable.
0: It, well, probably, but the real reason is because we're from Ohio, and they they don't. Right,
1: they, it's just close enough to.
0: Kentucky, West West Virginia. Virginia, All those
1: places with that reputation. I know.
0: So they're like, I think the
1: Ozarks has kind of moved up in that sort of decision tree. But after that show. Well, coastal people, which a lot of our
0: friends here are definitely from California and New York, very, you know, and they definitely have only flown over Ohio. Oh, yeah. They totally believe it. So they have the. It is shocking how ignorant a lot of these people are, frankly, to being from the midwest and what midwestern people are like they really don't get it no they They have have such biases they they don't even know it lack
1: of exposure i mean people in ohio you know for example have lack of exposure to the coastal towns just as much but there's also the reverse of that where i mean when we lived in nevada and we had our place in laguna in california we had plenty of friends that had never really gotten further out than say vegas yeah you know because it's beautiful in california you can't really blame them but they do lack that Exposure, But
0: California people... Now, we yeah. granted, we lived in, you know, part-time in Laguna Beach where yeah. the average sale price was, I don't even know how much, not small. Plenty. And so we were surrounded by people who had vacationed in Bahrain and, right. you, know, you know, just yeah. crazy places. That's true. But this actually is perfectly in alignment with what, you know, again, what I wanted to talk about, which was um, thinking big and setting goals. I mm-hmm. know that's one of those topics that everyone talks about, but... This is a
1: great time to do that, though, to revamp it. You know, we are... are into a different stage of the whole pandemic business and opening up and dealing with all sorts of things. And I think that we've been in this, you know, if this were stranger things, we'd call it the upside down, no doubt. but we've, we've been in this strange zone, the hard reset. Some people are calling it the great pause, you know, economically and what have you, but we've been at it long enough that I think it's time to reset. It's been happening enough that people have accepted that this is going to be weird and we have to get on with it. It's not going to just change in a week and everything will be cool. I think the riots are a symptom, not just of what happened with George Floyd and which was horrible. I think it was a catalyst that people have kind of snapped on some of the things Definitely. that have wigged them out
0: this year, which by the way, you, you and know? I did predict right
1: civil unrest. There yep. you go. We I told mean, you guys we two didn't months predict ago. the particular cause, nope. but you know, it, that's what kicked it off. And we're, probably going to see, unfortunately, more of that. And I think now's the time to reset your own personal goals, control your own three foot world and get back to what you can control in 2020 and get serious about that because we got six months left.
0: Well, so um, as far as like, if you want to try to figure out what's going to happen next for the rest of the year, Mm -hmm. probably more of what's happening now. And I don't want to talk about anything that's, you know, related to the, I want people to and I want personally, I want to think bigger, too. Yeah. It's so easy when you start thinking about the riots and, you know, the lockdown that happened in Washington, D.C. around the White House. And mm-hmm. It's easy you, to want to just stay home. unemployment rate is so high. And, you know, so like even just saying those things, I feel like a little wind's coming out of my sails. So I choose not to talk about that yeah. or think about that. But here's what I want to think about. And here's what I'm hoping you guys can benefit from is, are, Julie, are we thinking big enough right now? And I'll give you the answer. It's absolutely mm-hmm. not. You know yeah, why? Why? Because you can always think bigger.
1: Sure. You can I mean, always think shit, bigger. I mean,
0: Elon, you know, cranked out his cars and, you know, revolutionized the auto industry and whatnot. And he said, not good enough. Nope, I want to go to Mars. Right. So we need to think about yeah. going to Mars. Yeah. You know, in our own way. We need to think about whether or not we're thinking big enough. Mm-hmm. And so it's six mo- there's six months left, left this year. And I've been thinking a lot about the whole goal setting thing. And there's a bit of a... Um, a tug of war with setting goals Mm -hmm. because most people never accomplish the goals that they set for themselves. And and we know why, because we've talked about this infinitesimally in our podcasts and our books and our coaching calls. Mm -hmm. Right. Real estate treasure map. But the real reason that people don't accomplish goals, ultimately it's not a belief thing or a mindset thing because there's no action plan behind the goal. You know, so right. a goal is a. I know we're going to get into coaching mode. Let's not allow ourselves to do it. But a goal is a dream with an action plan. At the end of the day, if you don't have an action plan following your goal, you're not going to accomplish it. And I think the other reason is is that people set goals. Uh, I wonder if you agree with this. Hmm. People set goals that are too easy to accomplish that don't result in other new thought patterns and software being forcibly enter uh, forcibly loaded. So, for example, you right. you made the great example about. Um, you know going to Mars right Mm -hmm. and you said there doesn't have to be a clear reason why along the way you'll figure out the ways and why's and discover new Mm -hmm. things it's that lack of a desire for discovery that keeps it so that people basically think too small and live a a percent of what they otherwise could do does that make sense I
1: think that's right and you know I think there's our parrots yeah I think (laughs) that uh on some level people uh set goals, if they're goal setters at all. And I think that there's a certain percent that are afraid to set any goals, but most people set them a little bit short because they're afraid to fail. They're afraid to do the things it takes to maybe jump ahead a couple of steps. The other thing I, you know, because we, we kind of bookend this with the, the rocket the, you know, the dragon launch. One of the other things that Elon does is he sets radically shorter time frames than what you would think could be accomplished from tesla to the dragon launch to mars he, he says things like two years or less and you know usually he's off by a year or so but so what he still probably shaved off 20 years of what normal people would think
0: i'll give you an example i know you haven't listened to this yeah. i don't even think maybe you read about it so joe rogan uh, i've listened to him he's been on joe's show twice yeah. and um the first time he was hinting at some new technology, some brain oh, yeah, communication yeah. interface. Do you know, have you read about this?
1: I just heard the. I, I remember the podcast you're referring to.
0: So Elon, right now, essentially all the while going to Mars and creating rocket ships, and he also owns Solar City and God knows what else. Right. He decided that you know he created this technology that melds. Um, I know the conspiracy theorists are going <laughs> crazy with this, <us, laughs> mm-hmm. but essentially makes us into cyborgs.
1: Like he, you mean the AI.
0: And no, not AI. AI. It's a. It's mm-hmm. essentially a. Um, what for, do you
1: mean by cyborg?
0: Okay, right. So paralyzed people,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, people that have um, you know neurological issues from maybe all kinds of different things. He has figured out a technology that can make it so that there is a way to bypass whatever in the human body is neurologically broken and fix it by going directly to the brain through implants.
1: Yeah. Did so, hear- so things like yeah. uh, I think vision was one of them, and I think like even quadriplegic and yep. a, a variety. It's not just one thing right. that, it, that it can fix. Right. It's pretty versatile. Yep. And you, I guess, plug it into that part of your brain, right? And it circumvents whatever's wrong. That's I right. Mean, that's big thinking.
0: Yeah. Well, that's. But think about all the people it's, that it's will incredible. be able to benefit from that. You know. Now you can, obviously, run the conspiracy theor- theory into the ground. But the reality of it is. Uh, Humans being the next generation of humans isn't a it's that right? It's a combination of us interwoven into technology, Mm -hmm. and it'll be really start out I think because there's going to be obvious health benefits to it. It'll be able to monitor radical health benefits, right? It'll be it'll be a thing that's monitoring your health, fixing problems, not just essentially taking logs of what your uh, your cardiac activity is. For example, there'll be technology that's uh, created that will be able to literally fix the problems as they're yeah. happening in our bodies, not trying to fix it after the damage has been done.
1: Right. I mean, you thought eye watches were cool because they could monitor your heart rate. This is, goes way beyond monitoring. This goes into diagnostics and treatment, which is, the, I think, the next natural progression. And I, I think it's going to take a bit for people to adopt that and accept it. But what radical thinking, you know? I think that's what got you on that tangent. Right, Elon, Well, Sunday's Elon all about tangents, yeah. right? No, I know. And so if if But it's thinking bigger and it's saying, huh, I wonder what would happen if Right. You know, and yeah. so, and so that's I
0: I'm wondering that like as I prepare this week for coaching calls and I prepare this week for all of our podcasts and just all the other things you and I do. I just so if you and I we have tens of thousands of people that listen to our podcast every single day, mm-hmm. right? This is the number one listened to daily podcast for real estate agents in the world probably. And if not, it will be by the time we're done. See, I'm thinking big. <laughs> I right? hope so. Um, you know, you and I have coaching clients now, and certainly United States, Canada. Mm-hmm. We're starting to get some on Australia, New Zealand. Yeah. Um, really, any place in the country or any place in the world that speaks English, Julie and I are starting to, our podcast and our the, the messaging that we have is starting to, I think, really resonate with people. And that's not surprising, to be honest with you, because all we're really effectively doing is... Telling the truth, Mm -hmm. that is what we're doing. We're telling people a practical, tactical way that they can build financial freedom for themselves through having real estate licenses. And really how this is... I was listening to... um, This is not a tangent, I promise. (laughs) I was listening to a reading. I don't even remember what we consume so much real estate information. But if you think about real estate during maybe this becomes a depression and stays a depression for a while or a long-term recession. Mm-hmm. If you're going to sell something or be in an industry, you sure as shit want to be in something that's not, uh, it, that's required that people buy, right? Yeah. I mean, you want to be in doing, selling something that everybody needs. If you're yes, selling something ideally. that people don't need, luxury items, for example, yeah. um, boats, things like that. I don't necessarily think if I were a, a salesperson and I was selling stuff like that that I would feel that financially secure given nope. the uncertainty in the global economy well,
1: I mean remember some of the original wealthy Americans got that way because of utilities yeah because people exactly. wanted electricity well and, and railroads you're talking about industrial yeah, revolution sure. stuff
0: yeah but it, so if you if you think about all the ways that all of us are blessed to be in this industry I'll tell you what if you are really willing to do the real work of real estate right now there's never been a better time to be in this industry
1: No, that's for sure. And I see, from my coaching calls mainly, and, you know, people that email us from the podcasts and stuff, um, I see the buyers and sellers who have an actual real need. They're not moving recreationally. They're not moving just to cash out. They have real motivation, okay, which is always the best clients because they're the ones that, you know, comply with the process. Um, They are much more welcoming now to skilled and caring agents. Not that they weren't before, but there was kind of, I don't know, there was a little bit more leeway, a little bit less responsiveness. If you actually really have to sell your house right now, you are craving somebody saying, here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to comply with the new protocol. Here's where I'm going to put it to get the most exposure. Here's how I'm going to handle your transaction. You have nothing to worry about. Put it in my hands. And, you know, for example, people that prospect and, you know, maybe would have been more struggling. The the reporting back that I get from our real estate agent community and brokers is they're like, wow, you know, these like just examples of people who say please and thank you and thank you for helping me and you alleviated my stress.
0: Well, there's right now a reprieve from having to have a high level understanding of um, how to solve complex problems for sellers right now because of the mortgage forbearances and because of all right. the financial That's lifelines true. that are coming out from the Temporarily government. Temporarily, anyway. So we're living in this time of... It's
1: like a time warp of mortgages.
0: Well, it's, it's the great pause, right? Yeah. So this is the great pause before the reality sets in mm-hmm. to the economy and whatnot. And this great pause, I think, will happen through at least the election because there will be yeah. no precipitous drop in uh, real estate values or anything else until after the election takes place. And then at that point, a lot of these lifelines are going to be pulled. And I'll give you, a, for example, there was um, the Senate is talking about giving people uh, a going back to work bonus hmm. where the Democrats want to continue the federally oh, that's backed unemployment. Right. Mm-hmm. So the Senate is saying, look, we can't make it so that people can earn more money not working than working because then they're never going to go back to work. Mm-hmm. Duh. Right. And I already
1: have examples of that.
0: Oh yeah. We talked let's Mm -hmm. we talk about this on our podcast Mm -hmm. every day, the unintended consequences of all the bailouts. But the reality of it is is that there are so many different things that are gonna come unraveled towards Mm -hmm. the end of this year that there is absolutely no doubt and I don't think anyone's really come up with a real um a decent argument why there isn't going to be a worsening of essentially all the economy on a whole. There just is too much unemployment, there's been too many businesses destroyed. The business, the true destruction from the great pandemic and all the economic shutdown hasn't been felt yet because of the fact that there's been so much money pumped into the economy. And there can't be an endless amount of money pumped into the economy. At some point, that ends. um, If for no other reason than um, just truthfully, there'll have to be a breaking point where people are where the government and and essentially business is going to say, Enough is enough. So there won't be political will, I guess, is at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. why there's not going to be a continuation of it. And we're not going to talk about monetary theory. We're not going to talk about inflation, deflation today. What we are going to talk about is that, and we keep on circling around and around about this, is really, are you thinking big enough? Are we thinking big enough? In the light of all the headwinds that are seemingly everywhere for everyone right now, are you allowing yourself to be sucked in to thinking small? Because- right now is the best time probably you know of our adult lives that's Mm -hmm. for sure to be thinking big
1: well absolutely so it would be so easy to use some of the things that are going on in the world as your excuse to think smaller instead of bigger or to give yourself the out to not even really be thinking at all so instead take a radical approach to your goals
0: exactly take
1: a radical time frame how fast could you make it to your magic number of listings?
0: Well, let's even make it more, you know, practical. tasty than that. Yeah. Well, not I'm Less practical. Some... Let's not be practical okay. for a second, okay? <laughs> so what would be Coaching radical? You. Well, I mean, what would be radical five? The, so again, we didn't finish this point before to what you're, the point you're trying to make, I think. Yep. Is that, yes, it's important that when you're setting goals, you set goals that you can accomplish. Those would be your short-term goals. That's your practical everyday type thing. But in order to basically start developing the mindset of being able to go to Mars, you're going to have to think impractically. You're going to have to think crazy. You're going to have to mm-hmm. think about things that even when you write them down or when you conceive the thought, your first thought is, no freaking way I'll be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But there are things that all of us have that uh, as dreams that we face our inner skeptic almost the second we hit right. that thought. We we The second you have the thought of, you know, let's keep on circling back to Elon. This is Elon day since he actually was successfully mm-hmm. taking he gets humans to have that. back. Yeah, exactly. So the second Elon said, had the thought, why don't I make rockets? Why don't I basically get people to Mars? If he had shut that down, the second he had that thought, because it's not like he didn't have people around him that are saying, dude, what are you thinking? You know, <laughs> right? you are I'm got sure. to be,
1: you're crazy. They probably fired all of them, but.
0: Yeah, come on, electric car boy. Let's (laughs) let's 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 just
1: stick it to cars. You're doing that pretty good. Come on, Elon,
0: you've got enough on your plate. Yeah. But what are the things like if you were to say five years from now, what were the things you would like to have accomplished? So I wrote that question down actually for Mm -hmm. for you and I. Mm -hmm. You know, so what are the five year goals? And then here's the fun part: what would it take to accomplish those five year goals in twelve months?
1: Yeah. That's the radical part.
0: That's the radical part. And that's what you were saying Elon does.
1: Right. Yeah. And people
0: criticize him constantly.
1: Well, um, for that. His name escapes me. Apple. Um,
0: Steve Jobs. Steve
1: Jobs. Okay. So he was often criticized for the same reason yep. as Elon. Be- they even called him the uh, Steve Jobs time warp or something like that. Yeah. There, his company had given him a nickname for sh- setting radically short deadlines. So let's say you don't hit it exactly in 12 months, but because you said 12 months is better than five years, it takes you 18. It's still much shorter than what you normally would have done. And I think, you know, there's a reason that the treasure map is not a five-year plan. It's because you give yourself five years. Why would you get off your butt today?
0: So treasure map, by you the way, I'm guys, saying? is, well, yeah, definitely. The treasure, well, I mean, again, you and I had the idea a year ago of moving to Puerto Rico. But but just to loop, close that We did that, that
1: loop, in a radically short amount of time. We did
0: that in a radically short period of time. Yeah. We basically sold our house in Texas. We weren't even emotionally ready to detach from all of it. You know, all, we just made the decision to do it. Yep. But look at all the things that have improved in our life since sure. making the decision to move here that we didn't even It didn't even have as a thought. Yeah.
1: Seriously. Still realizing.
0: It's shocking.
1: Daily. Yeah.
0: Yeah, right? You're still catching up with it. Oh, we haven't
1: even been here a year. I know. You know?
0: I know. Yeah, crazy. But we're still catching up with it.
1: Yeah, I'm a big fan of the shorter time frame. Real estate treasure map. Yeah. So
0: (laughs) we have to do some call to action, Julie.
1: I'm circling my way back to
0: I know. Um, Yeah. I think we have like six competing thoughts going on at once, but we're having fun Sunday. So, um Listeners, if you want to get the real estate treasure map, it is free. And all you have to do is text the word survival to 31996. Texting the word survival to 31996 will give you free access to our free coaching program that we made as a result of the pandemic. Well, so there you go. There's another unintended consequence of a really horrible thing. Because of the horrible pandemic, Julie and I decided to make a nationwide, a nationwide coaching program to help all the agents out there. Now, don't be fooled. The coaching program is um, you know, a mere whisper of what our normal coaching program is but it does give you essentially all the fundamentals and all the do this now type you know immediate uh, action plans that all of you guys need and it does also entitle you to a daily semi-private coaching call and it is free all you got to do is text the word survival to 31996 and when you do we're going to text you back a link you have to set up your username and password and then you're going to be able to log right into the website and you're going to see exactly what you get and i think based on all the feedback. People are blown away by what we're giving away for free. But one of the things is the real estate treasure map, which is our fill-in-the-blank business plan, which does, I think, put you in a position where you could start thinking more radically. You could start developing your Elon Musk and maybe Steve Jobs hmm. type wavelengths. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- wavelengths? Mindset. Uh, mindset. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that mindset. I word. know.
1: It's-, it, it's got too many landmines embedded in it. exactly. (laughs) But way of thinking, we'll say.
0: The whole mindset movement has become a bit of a religion that we rally against because a lot of it's hocus pocus. Yeah. But, um, all right, so more things. I'm looking at my yellow piece of paper with regards to uh, big and short uh, term goals. So if you could accomplish your five-year goals in 12 months, now the first things people are going to have a hard time with is thinking about what their five-year goals are, right? Most people are. Sure. So there are five, maybe six distinct categories of goal setting, but the ones that all of you guys should focus on, really, this is honestly depending on your age, um, are financial, physical, and mental. So when you're thinking in terms of, okay, well, again, this is all real estate treasure map type stuff, and so you guys can just download this, and it's a step by step full fall-in-the-blank plan. But you choose, for example, the physical thing. Now, I was having this thought when I was writing all these thoughts down this morning's notes. Like... If you and I were back in Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. growing up basically within the 25-mile circumference of where we were born. Right? Which an interesting statistic listeners and we're not criticizing, we're just stating a fact. Most people are born and die within the same 25-mile radius of, you know, the same exact spot, you know, they're born in the same hospital, they're die in the same hospital type situation. Those are just, you know, an interesting set of facts. And I think, I wonder how far outside of the United States that's true for. I bet you that's a global thing.
1: I think in Europe it's even tighter. Probably. You know, because people have family homes in Italy that have been around for, you know, generations.
0: Yep, I think so too. And you have generational households as a norm and you don't have that here. That's probably true. But if we were still living in Columbus, Ohio, and we'd never left, how different would our lives be? And and again, I'm not criticizing Columbus, Mm -hmm. but in Columbus people did not. Generally speaking you and I were well, fish just, out of water. just, just there. your
1: travel mindset is di- like, you know, you go to Florida. Yeah. <laughs> you don't or or you, know. you go
0: up to the, the the, you know, Lake Erie. Lake Erie, right?
1: You have kind of a small radius of what seems like interesting travel. And all those things are interesting but not, you know, 20 years in a row necessarily. But yeah, it would be different and that that's a, a good place to start when your goal setting is you know, what are my, maybe what are my current, what's my current radius of thought and of travel and of exposure. I'll never forget a coaching call when I was starting to do the treasure map years ago. And you know, it, it, this, it is a fill in the blank personalized business plan because you are forced to set goals and time frame and have probably some new thoughts, but I'll never forget. I was talking to and it was, this was a California agent. And she was struggling with goal setting, and I said, well, one of the things that we have coaching clients do sometimes is go to the magazine section in Barnes & Noble and just pick out like six or eight magazines that, you know, you have some level of interest. Maybe one's travel, maybe one's like exercise. And she said, what's Barnes & Noble? Yeah. And I thought, okay, lack of exposure, I need to maybe start at you're, a different spot. S- this...
0: this- you're saying it perfectly, Julie, and, but to kind of bring our – because you and I are talking about Barnes & Noble, which is oh, literally not in existence anymore. But people know what it is. And magazines, which actually some people don't even read anymore. Let's call
1: it's, it Zinio on your iPad. <laughs> we, can, we can convert. But the point is, you know, try some stuff out. And, I, you know, now in coaching, I use meetup.com to expose them, which is not a dating site, skeptics. It is where people go to post their meetings and their – Yeah, you can find anything from a hiking club to a photography club to whatever, but try stuff out.
0: What you're talking about essentially is the fact that your environment and the people that are around you 100% almost control the outcome that you're going to experience in life in more profound ways than you can possibly imagine. Uh, I remember when Julie and I, we'd been married, uh, I don't know, a year or two, and we had never really been outside of Columbus, Ohio, and this was before the internet, for all of you guys, that I know it makes us sound, that's uh, such a weird thing to say, you know? I know. But it was before the internet, and we it's had- before cell phones. We had a uh, nautical blue Mark I Miata. Yeah. And we drove from Columbus, Ohio, all the way out to uh, Washington State. Seattle, Seattle. Yeah. And, um, in the Miata. In the Miata. Right? And we did not have any, you know, we, it, it was crazy. If you think about having to do that now, yeah, I don't, no way.
1: I don't even think we had phones with us. But I
0: remember the first time it's you crazy. and I were out, um, yeah, I don't think we did either. No, but any, we,
1: and we used paper maps.
0: We did, yeah. We went to a AAA and had them make a, what was that, a, trip a trip tick, tick or something? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that hilarious to think about now? <laughs> anyway, so.
1: Millennials are like, you weren't eaten by wolves. Uh, <laughs> You're okay. No,
0: actually, we were practically eaten by wolves. We
1: were. It was actually locusts in Utah. It was. The,
0: it was. Yeah. And it, it, and then we accidentally it's drove through a Bike Week in uh, South Dakota without knowing about it. Yeah, you know, we're like, <laughs> damn, people love their motorcycles out here. And then finally, we get closer to Sturgis, and the, and with closer we got, the more motorcycles we saw. And then someone finally told us, "Are y'all going to Bike Week?" It's like, what the hell is Bike Week? <laughs>
1: I know, lack of exposure.
0: Well, so that's the main thing is we I remember it, when you and I got out west and we started seeing what out, how beautiful out west is, really, yeah. through Montana, we went through Red Lodge, we went through, um, you know, all these beautiful places, the mountains and the ranges and just the different types of people you run into and just everything shockingly beautiful so different than mm-hmm. where we're from and when we're from there's no topography to speak of I, you go down southern Ohio that's you know it's beautiful down there but where Julie and I are from basically when it was settled it was all made into farm fields and essentially that's what it still looks like now there's just lots of houses in the farm fields um, I'm not overstating that either so when you get out west things look so different and so beautiful and I remember calling my dad when you and I are on this huge sojourn and I remember calling him emotional and telling him how free and alive you and I were feeling because we we're finally seeing something that was so radically different than everything that we'd ever experienced before being from Ohio and, and yeah. you know the sheer lack of exposure. And then I remember feeling that feeling again when you and I uh, went out to like Palm Desert in California. Yep, I was
1: thinking that too. And you,
0: and in, the <laughs> in the winter. In the winter, in the mountains in Palm Desert, they turn purple when the sun's going down. It was so beautiful. And then you and I were obviously travel addicts before we had Zoe, and we would go to Europe and all these other things. And just if you were to go to different parts of the world and you were to be around just different environments, that in itself is just – it's like a a spiritual experience if you allow it to be. And there's a lot of psychological reasons for that too, guys. The very definition of being present is when you're standing in the middle of Milan – You know, and in Italy, and you're around buildings and people and things and clothes and smells and everything around you is so completely different that you've never experienced before. You can't help but to be present because your brain and your body, all your senses, are just firing off, just taking in all the environment. That is an absolutely. Purifying experience that ha- that forces. I suppose you could be there and you could be closed minded and say, "Oh, I don't like how tall and beautiful everybody is." <laughs>
1: you know, <laughs> well, "Oh, I are. don't
0: like these beautiful clothes." Oh, that food smells too good. I miss you know Wendy's back in Columbus, Ohio. You know, I suppose you could go there and ruin it for yourself. But when you allow yourself to go outside of your uh, environment, it's lack of exposure is the point yeah. I'm trying to make. It wasn't until you and I really forced ourselves to have different levels of exposure that we realized how much more life had to offer. And they mm-hmm. weren't just platitudes and motivational posters. Yeah. You know, and we were kids when we forced ourselves to experience that. But even before that, Julie, when you and I were in Columbus and we had the car cleaning and detailing yeah. business, you know, that was we, we, interesting were, exposure. we were blessed with a lot of really wealthy, um, you know, Les Wexner, who well, you know, but was a billionaire. That's a
1: side point that's really critical, okay? Related to goal setting, part of the treasure map Ask, there, There's 12 or 14 questions for each that are all the same questions applied to each goal. And one of them is, do you know someone who has done this before? Yeah. Okay. And I think part of the issue with wanting to obtain more wealth, more income, I mean, things are better with money. I don't think anybody will argue with that. Don't even tell me I'm not in it for the money. Because if you worry, you can just go to 0% commission on every deal from here forward. We did,
0: just a side note, don't lose your thought, please. It was a good Mm -hmm. one. I knew you were going. We did a series of podcasts last year. About what Julie just said, essentially, everything's better with money. And I think that if you search on our website, timandjulieharris.com, or if you go to iTunes, I think it's You Have a Moral Obligation to Be Rich. Yes,
1: that's right. right. That's the name of it. You need
0: to listen to that series of podcasts because I think that was some of the best um, yeah. content Julie and I've ever produced because you really do have a moral obligation to be rich. You really do. And I mean it in the most well, literal sense. You can do so sense. much
1: more with it. If you want to use Elon as an example, people yep. criticize him. He's a billionaire, not a millionaire. Okay. But look what he's able to do. I mean, he's working on ways to make quadriplegics walk again. You can't this, do that if you're broke.
0: So this is Elon Day. We well, just officially saying. declared it. But I'll tell you another funny thing. And yeah. don't lose your train of thought. Yeah. And so when he sold his portion of PayPal, he was partners with other people. Right? I think he said he got $300 million. And he said he put like $100 million down on Tesla, $100 million down on SpaceX, and $100 million down on um, Solar City. Mm-hmm. And then he, the joke that he said was, and after that, I had to borrow money to pay my rent.
1: And that's true. I mean, that, we listened to his uh, – it was either – I can't – I don't think he wrote it. It was a biography about him where it, and I didn't know that. I thought it was fascinating that he went from that $300 million payout to basically having to borrow money and coming back from that. Yep. And now he's doing these things that he's doing now. I mean, that's amazing. Amazing. For a guy who's less than fifty years old to have gone. By the way, all you,
0: that. Elon's not our only transcendental. No, but he's on know, our
1: mind because But look you know, at Jeff Bezos, the, for example. Yeah. Everyone
0: associates him with um, you know, uh Amazon, obviously. Mm-hmm. Thank God bless Amazon. I don't think you and I would would be able to survive in Puerto Rico no. without Amazon. But the reality of it is he, he also has essentially his own interstellar space project yes. similar to SpaceX. I don't remember what it. it's called. Something I can't remember. Blue Origin or something? I think that's right. Yeah. And, that uh, was also
1: funded partially by NASA.
0: Right. Was it? Yep. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so go back. Do you remember your train of thought?
1: Uh, okay. So in the treasure map, the, where the the overriding topic is thinking bigger and getting back to some goal setting here, some radical goal setting. Part of what stymies some of our listeners, and, you know, I have to say maybe even us until we moved here and, we're, you know, we have friends living here that jet off to Dubai for a weekend, you know? But one of the questions is who do you know who is at this level? What are your thoughts about that person and that earning level? And I think that it some it's easy to be critical about wealthy people, for example. Some of our listeners inevitably have Well, those that's thoughts. lack of exposure it's though. It's lack of exposure because you don't know anybody who's earned at that level and handled themselves in such a way that you have respect for them, you understand what they're doing, you see the impact that they're having—not just on their family and themselves, but on the world. Maybe I... you don't have that exposure, and I think it's harder to think big if you just don't know anybody who's been there. Like, if if the next level to you in your your center of influence, okay, like the the wealthiest person you know works at some corporation, makes a hundred grand a year. I mean, there's there's people that that's. That's like the highest level they can think of because that's the highest level they've seen.
0: I think one of the reasons it's confusing to a lot of people is because it's politically correct right now to make a statement that that I I want to be, you know, I want to create this business for, you know, the sake of the environment or whatever. There's all these inner people are afraid to be honest with themselves that they're almost always operating out of self-interest. And they're afraid to admit that they want things. And they're afraid to admit that they want to have experiences. They're afraid to like verbally say, because they don't want to be criticized or judged, that they want a bigger, anything better than what they have. And that's the lack of exposure that I was referring to. And when you and I lived in Columbus, Ohio, with the exception of our car cleaning and detailing customers, which we were very blessed to have so many that gave a shit about us. And then some of them took us under their arm and were our... um, accidental you know mentors to us in our formidable years we had quite a few people that were you know some of them were hundreds of millions um they were
1: early influencers and i do consider that a blessing that you and i both had that early exposure to people that were wealthy handled themselves well and you know were contributors
0: and we'd made a list this was back when julie and i were in college we made a list of the people in columbus ohio who had the biggest you know, groups of cars, and some of them were well-off doctors, but most of them were car collectors. There's old, old, old uh, money in Columbus. Um, you, know, you guys don't know, but some of these Midwestern towns have some of the oldest, wealthiest families in the United States. They just don't brag on it. Yeah. So you'll have people that you know, were in a, part of the Industrial Revolution that still have kept their familial wealth, There's beautiful old mansions in in an area called Bexley, Ohio, that we used to have customers there. There was this one family named the Wasserstroms, Mm -hmm. and when we were working for them, they always had like five or six Mercedes, and most of them weren't new. They were older, but I remember the first time I met with them, they didn't know me from Adam, but maybe after a year, they basically had just, they adopted Julie and I, and were some of the nicest people we ever worked with. Well, guess where they made their money? They were some. They were one of the original um, manufacturers of industrial kitchen stainless steel stuff. Yeah, that's I was what they made I money. remembered
1: them being appliance people.
0: Yeah, and that was it. But they were yeah. so nice, and they were so generous to us. And yeah. I, there was a guy named, who are still alive, uh, Jack Rosselli, and he owns a commercial. Um, you know, he was third or fourth generation, like his family came from the old world in Italy, and they were in the construction business. And Jack was always kind of a gruff guy to us. His wife was always so sweet. She was awesome. But but after, uh, over time, they began to sort of, you know, they never, like, I don't think they became overly familiar with us. But they definitely appreciated us and definitely treated us with respect. And they showed us, basically, those people and a whole bunch of others, completely and totally proved that our preconceived notions of the software we were carrying around... With regards to to uh, rich people, was complete and utter bullshit.
1: Well, they would invite us to their parties.
0: They would. We we, we went. I to still their... have
1: a scar on my foot right here from Muffy the dog that we <laughs> dog sat yeah, when yeah. they traveled. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, they they would have us to their birthday parties. They would yeah. invite us to their. You walk into like I, I have so many of these bizarre experiences that you and I were like not we are late teenagers, right? Nineteen, twenty, yeah. twenty one. And, you know, somewhere in there. Well, and,
1: you know, we had some experiences, certainly in our real estate practice, too, like Dr. Pala, and, yeah. um, you know, even uh, Dr. Blatnick, who was kind of a bridge between the two. We just some really good, classy people who appreciated that we were working our butts off. And maybe they saw something in us at that time. But I, I think and we didn't even realize it probably at the time. We just appreciated them. Because they gave us business, they referred people to us, they invited us to their parties, they gave us opportunity that we would not otherwise have had.
0: They did. They like the, awesome. the fact that was awesome. They like the fact they were scrappers. I think at the end of yeah. the day.
1: and I, you know, you and I see that in other people too.
0: You you can't smell it. On you somebody. absolutely can. Yeah,
1: you can. Like I, when we first moved here, you know, Miguel, our property manager, that yep. guy hustles, man. It's amazing.
0: But Julie, this this but goes, you do notice it. This goes back to the lack of exposure, right? So if you have a preconceived notion that rich people are evil, which is uh, ingrained in a lot of us at a very young age, involuntarily.
1: Yeah, you might even not notice, you might not acknowledge that that's your underlying thought. But if somebody puts you on the spot, it would come out.
0: And then you reinforce that by never having exposure to rich people. Well, guess what, listeners? You're listening to a couple of rich people. Are we assholes?
1: (laughs) I have an interesting uh, demonstration of that. I can't. It was one of my Facebook friends from high school, who was driving through, and it had to be. I think he still lives in Columbus. He was driving through a neighborhood, and he said, "You know, I, I just can't believe how like quintessential American this is. People are out, you know, riding their bikes and having hot dogs on the grill and everything." and And he was alluding that. Um, that it w- it must have been like a certain political angle that that he believed about this this neighborhood he was driving through, and then he went back and corrected his post. He said, "I actually researched it, and it wasn't anything that I thought. They actually voted like more like him or something. It was a preconceived notion." that he wanted to believe about that. Well, so That he then revised by actually doing his research. So
0: you can tell, and we are going to be political here, that his mm-hmm. his his go-to software was liberal-leaning and then yeah, went yes, back and realized right. he was wrong. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. But, but see, guys, that's... But,
1: but that was his... He didn't even realize until he did the research that he was operating off of his ingrained belief structure.
0: And that is the ultimate... And I thought it was interesting. That's the ultimate lack of exposure. That's right. And, and how much does that that's old software, like, you know... Julie and I are 49 and 50, okay? And we work on ourselves every day mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We're not allowing ourselves to be complacent, probably because of our pack. You know, it's not anything that makes any – if Julie and I were still in Columbus, Ohio, my point is is that we would probably look, live – we would. Uh, like our environment, we would. Sure. We'd be, we both does. be heavier, yeah. probably be wrinklier, right? We wouldn't be as wealthy Those as we are. Those
1: chocolate and peanut butter Buckeyes are awfully oh, good. Oh,
0: dude, are you kidding me? And how many different incredible places can you go in Columbus for pizza? Give me a freaking break.
1: <laughs> Every corner. I mean, I weighed
0: more. You weighed more when sure. you lived there because C- it was lack of exposure. And the thing is, is that you just start to you start to get older faster because yeah. of lack of exposure. Now, can you live in an environment like that and not be like that and not suffer from lack of exposure? Of course, but it's a hell of a lot harder. But what I'll do you, tell you, you, have to
1: work harder. You
0: do. Yeah. But if you put yourself... Now, am I telling all of you guys to get up and move? Maybe. Yeah, maybe that's the move, honestly. Pun intended. But really, you can get exposure just from being exposed to people that think bigger and bolder.
1: You have to look for it, I think, is the 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 point we're trying to make. is You have to make the effort. It's not going to happen to you. People who are like who you want to become are not going to come looking for you. No. You have to look for them. They're out doing their thing. They're the way they are because they are being... Um, proactive. You're going to have to go out there and find them. And e- even here, you know, I have to make myself find like, you know, even a, a book club which I wanted to try out. I have to be like, all right, let, let's get out and do some stuff and find some things. And when we're out of lockdown, I'd like to go to that bioluminescent lagoon yeah. on the other side of the island. And you know, you but you have to write it down, put it into action, and say, you know what, I'm going to do this on this date or by this date. And that's how it's going to be.
0: And, you know, think about the girls, the uh, girls, the ladies that are in your book club. Yeah. I mean, one of them is probably a billionaire and all I'm I sure know. all are. Oh, my goodness. And, But here you are. You're just little geeky Julie uh, Guthrie, you know, who was in the band, marching band, you know. <laughs> one time in band camp. From Worthington, Ohio. From Worthington, Ohio. Oh, yes, her name is Julie. Yes, she played flute. And yes, she does say one time in band camp.
1: That's right. <laughs> I can still be that person, but also have this exposure to, I mean, you're right. At least one of the ladies there is a probably billionaire, if not multi-multi-millionaire. And a lot of the other, I think there's 12 of them. Every single one of them either has their own business, that has it together with their spouse, has family business, you know, and they're all very diverse. And I find it fascinating how they think and what they're interested in. And it's just really awesome.
0: One of the things that you don't hear or even feel when you're around um, successful people, and we're going to uh, benchmark the word successful around monetarily successful, okay? Just let's keep this real, is our, our limiting beliefs. Yeah. I, you don't, you have to almost, you'll be surprised when you hear somebody um, who's financially successful ever say anything that would indicate that they're suffering from a lack of belief of what they're capable of. That's true. Yeah. Which, but you experience that constantly yeah. with people that are not financially successful.
1: Yeah. I think it, it's confidence and some of, a lot of that comes from experience, you know, with regards to our coaching clients, we talk to them a lot about, you know, just go on the appointments. It's okay to fail. Sometimes you got to earn while you learn. Don't not take action because you're busy studying it to the ends of the earth you gotta get out there and take that risk. One of the things that we do with our new, we've got a new agent action plan as well. And that is a rapid, uh, I call it um, backfilling their lack of experience, right? Mm -hmm. Because they have an experience deficit. When you first get your license in real estate, you are probably only going to show properties in your zip code that you grew up in where your first open house was in the price range you're comfortable in. So one of the things that we do with new agents, for example, with regards to exposure, is take a week and preview your market from the least common denominator up to the luxury market so you actually are comfortable showing something that's a million dollars.
0: So, But let's make this really practical yeah. because this is how Julie and I know what we're saying is true. So when we first got married, when we were 20 and 21, uh, we bought our first house basically about the same time, and it was 280 East Jeffrey. So it's about go- three square feet. It was about it was <laughs> 750 square feet, yeah. which, by the way, I wish we still owned that house. Me too. It basically tripled in value. I know. Uh, but, I know, which is insane. Anyway, the house was $78,500, wasn't it?
1: $71,575.
0: $71,575, that's right. Um,
1: and the payment was 550 a month because interest rates were, wait for it, a radical 7%, which some of you guys would have a heart attack if you had to have a 7% mortgage rate but at the time it was extremely low
0: and they made us come up with fifteen thousand dollars down and this is basically why we're just essentially still in college we didn't get through in four years yeah so why am i telling you all this because what we would do if we started selling real estate in clintonville where we had our first house on the very streets that were around where our first house was then we started expanding a little bit to worthington julie and i were following the same pattern And then there was this other community that wasn't so far away by distance, but far away in every other conceivable way from us called New Albany, Ohio. And there was this particular area inside New Albany, Ohio called New Albany Country Club. If you guys, all of you should Google New Albany Country Club, New Albany, Ohio Country Club, and see how unbelievably gorgeous this place is. Well, long story short, we used to go out there, and Julie and I would park our car, and then we would go on a walk as if we lived there. We'd walk around the, the golf course. Of course, we didn't live there. People were, guess what, surprisingly friendly, you know? And we'd walk around the golf course. We weren't selling any real estate there. We didn't know anything about it. And then occasionally, we'd go and show ourselves a house that was out there just so we can go inside these homes.
1: We went to I, the parade of homes. We yeah, got some exposure out of it. I
0: remember how shocked the first parade of homes they had out there. and When we went out there, it was just like maybe three streets and we walked into houses that we had never ever seen. I'm some of our, our detail customers maybe but they were so flipping gorgeous stunning stunning just shockingly stunning for us at the time right? Um and so from that point we said, you know what? This is this we are uncomfortable being out here, this is not where we're didn't from. grow up
1: as a country club right. kid, not, none of that.
0: And all the all the agents out there, they all knew each other from private schools, they'd all gone from board to boarding schools in the East Coast, they'd all basically gone to you know, most of them had gone to really nice colleges. They all knew each other growing up, the families knew each other, that Julie and I were completely and totally we shouldn't be there. And they basically told us that. The agents did.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: They hated us. What they're
1: saying, uh, we were here first and we know the area best?
0: Yeah, yeah. They used to say that. Yeah, they hated Julie and I because they knew that we were, frankly, in Columbus, ultra successful real estate agents. And the last thing they wanted in their little protected golden cage was, you know, Julie and I. Well, you know, we kept at it. (laughs) You know, we we were, what was it, five years, maybe four years since Mm -hmm. we got into real estate. And then finally... We mustered the courage and the money, frankly, to yeah. buy a really beautiful house there. Yeah, And we and then we were, um, you know, we had National Association of Realtors did this big article on us after we sold over 100 houses our first year in real estate, which is a totally different conversation. You know, we did it the way we still coach you guys to do it, which is still practical and puts money in your pocket the quickest. But so we sold 100 houses our first year. National Association of Realtors gave us all this, you know, attention and articles. And we went on a speaking tour. We wrote our first book. All this happened basically when we were in our early 20s mid-20s and almost. And then when we moved out uh, to... Now, why did we go from in this very safe, protected environment where we could benchmark selling at least 100 to 200 homes per year? We knew it like the back of our hands. People knew us. We had centers of influence. We had past clients. We knew exactly what to do, how to do it. We had a support structure around us. Julie, we knew it backwards and forwards. We knew every alley, every street. We knew every business owner. <laughs> yeah, we still do because we have droves Reckles. of rental properties there. But how did we go from thinking that, just not saying this is where we want to be. Agents that we knew and we love and we respect are still selling real estate there. They, and then how do we go from being essentially top dogs in that environment to basically saying we're going to move across town to this environment that's totally unfamiliar and uncomfortable with us? What caused us to do that was because we wanted something better and bigger. And we realized that we were frankly becoming complacent and bored in the market we were in. I was reading, this is kind of I didn't tell you this we are i was reading the article that national association of realtors wrote about us in the first year and they interviewed us Mm -hmm. and after selling all those houses um and we had said uh, you and i both in this article said some things that were uh prophetic 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 wrong f not th yeah and um we're talking about the fact that you and I thought that the business that we'd created, that we'd want to it, you know, iterate it within a certain amount of time. Like I guess we were trying to smart, sound like we were a lot smarter than we were, mm-hmm. but you know what? We did it.
1: I think you're talking about how we didn't want to be in real estate forever or something yeah, like that. We d- yeah, yeah we didn't that. want to be
0: in real estate forever. Yeah. We had decided that that wasn't something we wanted to do forever yeah. because I don't know why.
1: But I think at the time... I don't think It that was the same knew, reason Elon says he
0: must go to Mars.
1: That's it. I don't think that we knew that what we did want to do was coaching it. I mean, podcasting hadn't even been invented for years. And, no. So what ended up was not exactly what our thought was, but the, the thought was the catalyst to take action. And I think that that's the thing to embrace, is that you don't have to have all of the answers. You don't even have to have all the questions. You just have to continually be moving forward and then you'll discover the right path.
0: And I think where you get screwed in life is where you get to a point where everyone starts saying you're successful, where you start feeling like you're successful, where you start allowing complacency to creep in. You know, I, for example, let's just, I'm gonna talk about something sort of personal
1: depends what is it <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. no i'm not going to talk about sex dolls this week okay that's oh good. god now people are listening jesus what the hell is they were they're, they're searching for that they're podcast. searching <laughs> tuba, tuba, tuba julia talking about sex dolls yes what? because because one of the businesses that was growing as i read this on uh, bloomberg or seeking alpha yeah. that the sex dolls business was growing the fastest right now that it ever has before <laughs> because of the uh, hookup sites were no longer you know working because right, you can leave your house <laughs> right i just thought that was a funny little anecdotal you know thing anyway You can listen to last Sunday's podcast if you want to hear about that. But um, like you have, and I, I, so here's what I think. I have an obligation Mm -hmm. to you Mm -hmm. to look good, Mm -hmm. right? I have an obligation to you to um, look as physically and mentally attractive as I possibly can because that's the commitment I made to you when we got married. As I
1: to you. That was like the deal we made.
0: But I think a lot of people... It was part of the deal, right? It's part deal. of your marital vows, right? Yeah. And I think what happens a lot of people, and you can comment on this more than me, I think, because mm. this mostly is. I, I mean, why do uh, why do women or why do men, why do married couples get to the point where they start to not concern themselves with how they look towards each other physically? They get to a point. I mean, I'll, I let, don't let know. Me just, to, let me yeah. add a little bit more yeah, anecdotal information. Sure. Because when we are growing up, people our age definitely got. Crusty. Yeah.
1: Well, that's true. And I think that, like many things in life, it's a gradual degradation that becomes acceptable without you even knowing it.
0: Because of environment.
1: Because of environment, but also because of your own uh, mental tolerance and how you're thinking about things. And It, it applies to pretty much everything. I mean, um, as you get older, you have to work on your brain more. And it's easy to say, oh, you know, I've I've always thought by the time I got to be 50 that, you know, it's all downhill from here. You know, people say stuff like that. And it's the same with gaining weight, eating crappy food, um, being complacent in your business, deciding that, you know, this is as much as you're ever going to be able to save. And you know what? I'm so close to being able to get Social Security. It doesn't matter anyway. I mean, you hear all of these things, and I think that people would not necessarily outwardly say that. That that's how they're thinking, but that's how they're acting,
0: because they're benchmarking themselves against familiar behavior that sure. came from essentially their parents. So so let's this is where I was going. Or with even this
1: their best friends, or you know whoever their sphere is.
0: But if you're living, if you and I were still living in Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. and it sounds like we're picking on Columbus, we're not seriously. But if we're well, it does though, or anywhere, right? And everyone like normal you,
1: town USA, normal
0: whatever. town USA, and everyone essentially, w- without realizing it, we're following the same. Um, behavioral patterns they're mirroring essentially the generation for them sure and what they don't realize and this is the thing that is happening right now i think more so than any other time in our life i mean we started out by talking about how many things have changed in the last six months mm. but think about how many things are changing forward so you know you and i are let's say at half-life right right so if we start benchmarking ourselves and how our parents who are be the things that we'd subconsciously model ourselves off after yeah. most i think that'd be the most right Probably. I mean, my dad died when he was... How old was he? 70? 74. 74. Um, you know, my other grandparents, some of the ladies lived over 100. The men lived in mostly their 80s and all of this. And, you know, I remember, you know, you guys, will, listeners, you'll remember this too. When I went to visit my great-grandparents and my grandparents and all that, I remember at our age... When they were our age, I remember how they, you can look at pictures, how they looked and how they behaved and all of that. Yeah. And it's because they were modeling themselves after the generation that came before them. Our parents were modeling themselves without knowing it yeah. on their parents. And so if you were in a, in a world where you had lack of exposure and you were without knowing it, the software that was loaded into your brain without knowing it was that software that you had sure. gotten from your parents that they got from their grandparents. Da, 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 da. So that's one of the reasons when you start, you stop learning. Yeah. You stop caring well, without knowing. it. I think consciously, cause, probably. It's, cause you think it's normal.
1: Sure. I think that there's uh, a gradual pairing of your memories and your influence too. You know, I think there's good influences obviously, but um, you know, and I, I think that you and I were blessed too. In a lot of ways we're talking about our own experience, but You know, our parents were always married. We didn't go through a bunch of divorces. We didn't have alcoholism in our families. We didn't have chain smoking in our families. We were really blessed that way. And I think that people who have, I mean, we're talking about lack of exposure, talking about there's a whole other level that we don't always appreciate, except maybe through some of our coaching clients. You could have really radically bad exposure, which is worse than lack of exposure. Well, but it's
0: kind of the same thing, right? It's, the, so it's
1: all really, it's, right. you know, what are your standards, right? What's your
0: exposure? Yeah. So you might think, you know, we were talking about obesity, for example. I don't remember what percent of the population you might remember. It's pretty big. Yeah, of the U.S., you know, are, are obese. And you start to, you know, the sort of liberal train of thought is, oh, it's because the, you know, the big food is well, making crap and, because, and it's not their yeah. fault. And, and, you know, poor people don't have proper it's nutrition and and it's a fat gene. Exactly. And then you, you know, kind of go on the, these, all these, see, but here's the thing. It's because eating food's fun, you know, it's something good to do. And exercising usually sucks. Usually. And, and, you know, so if you're in around, <laughs> if you're around a bunch of people that basically would rather spend their, uh, free time, as it were, you know, hanging out and watching football and eating and Chips doing and the rest beer. of it. You're that All the people around you, as they gradually, physically, you know, morph into something, a larger version of themselves over time, over gener- generation, da, 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 if that's your exposure and that's what you're constantly reinforcing your exposure around, you prematurely age.
1: Well, yeah. And it's worse when you try to break out from that and you may or may not get support from that Previously, I'm surprised you, know you I'm said saying? that, actually. Why? I mean, I see it all the time. What happened to us? Yeah, I see coaching that's clients. That's the reason I'm surprised you said it. You know, it's just, that's reality. And, you know, I see that even I see that even with, like, dysfunctional teams in real estate, because that's their tribe.
0: But you talk Julie, really, since you brought crazy. it up. Yeah. Since you brought it up. And I think Sunday we can keep it personal. We don't have to get into, you know.
1: But I'm just saying everybody experiences on, everybody who's motivated has some level of that.
0: I don't think that's true. I don't think what you just said is true, okay. and I'll tell you why, because I think most people will never go to the point where they risk losing the support of their immediate environment.
1: Well, I'm, I'm saying people who stick with their motivation do right. experience Oh Yeah,
0: that. The, and but, yeah, but
1: you're right. Most people don't. It's too uncomfortable.
0: Right. It's fear. It's fear of, um, you I, know, and rocking I think the boat.
1: Probably that's a little bit worse right now that people have had to have their support structure really well in place during a pandemic. I think that's maybe highlighted a little bit. And so that's one of the reasons we wanted to get back to halfway through the year. Get on the stick with your goal setting because it's already been a weird enough year. You've got to have a, I mean, the world has given you a hard reset. You might as well turn that into something positive.
0: You should. And the hard reset and the new goals should maybe be starting with challenging the way you're thinking about your potentiality on this planet, right? Or evidently any planet definitely <laughs> yeah maybe a so,
1: space station yeah, maybe aliens but uh, the, the point of it yeah. is
0: is maybe this is the time for you to actually ask yourself um and Julie and I are gonna you know this is what we're gonna we are drilling down and we're this is the start yeah. of a conversation I'm gonna have with Julie after yeah. this as to whether or not we're thinking too small and where could we think bigger um you know where are we holding ourselves back we have similar mm-hmm. conversations that every single day but I yeah we were sort of waiting for the dust to settle to try to make you know, trying to figure out what the new world was going to look like. We still don't have a clear vision of it. The new normal is definitely abnormal but we're not going to wait around to figure out what's next because this is a perfect time to hit hard reset. Even if you love everything about your life, start out and everything's perfect, everything's never been better, start out by saying to yourself, you know what, how am I thinking too small because whatever's perfect about your life now is where you're probably going to be really complacent and regretful for having leveled off in that particular area you know, maybe only two or three years from now because you're gonna miss the amazing growth opportunities that all these things so this (laughs) pandemic guys and what you're seeing and what you're feeling, all the change. The change is not going is gonna net in something that's going to be a thousand times better than what was. How do I know that? Because it's always been that way. Whenever there's been any big radical shift that caused people to panic and worry about their relevance and you know, it doesn't matter It could just be the more horrible black plague in Europe and people have to da da. da, da. But whatever came after that, what came after the black? What came after the plague? Renaissance, the Renaissance. Exactly. So what we're probably going to be entering into um, is a renaissance of sorts. I
1: think that's definitely true.
0: Yeah. And so you guys. So what's the renaissance? Some of these guys don't know.
1: Well, I mean that's lack of
0: exposure. They don't know what the Renaissance is, so just tell them.
1: I don't have the exact dates, but it was after the plague. Actually, there were people also don't know there were three or four rounds of the plague, right? So, and we all got through that. All of your ancestors and relatives got through that one. So they were that's, still that's making babies. Here. They
0: were locked up trying to that's avoid right. the damn rats, fleas, and oh they were because right? that's where the plague got passed along. So in case you guys didn't know that. Well,
1: so after um, you know the Dark Ages, when mm-hmm. there was it—that's called the Dark Ages because not a lot of. Um, you know, intellectual any, improvements or art or science or any of the benchmarks were just not happening. It was the Dark Ages. And there was plague and there was famine and, you know, like half of Europe was wiped out. But after that is when, like, all of the, not all of, but a, a great amount of new art and techniques and even, you know, scientific findings, all of that sort of happened after that with a great awakening. Sometimes people call that. A version of frugality fatigue. Yeah, like they'd had it, so let's let's invent some stuff. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll look back at this SpaceX launch as the beginning of something. I think that we definitely have a digital revolution that was forced upon everyone.
0: Well, that's been in place for a long time, but, but, but the you're the talking about now. Forcing people right. to,
1: you know, maybe like the the implant that fixes stuff in your body, maybe that's part of it. And maybe people embrace that and there's all kinds of new things that happen. So I it, believe that that will occur. It feels I like do. that. That's that's it what does I want like that. to but that's
0: what I want to believe. And I would whether,
1: like us to be on the precipice of that. Well, so maybe we're early on for it. For us
0: but, personally yeah. and for those who care to, you know, keep us part of their lives every day through our podcast and our coaching, that's the path that we're going. We're going to act as if there's a amazing renaissance yes. coming. Um, and we're going to act as if uh, that's going to happen and maybe it will happen. To you as well, if you start embracing the, the your, your potential to actually think well, and, and live like that. You can
1: create your own renaissance. We
0: have. Yeah. We've done it several times.
1: Absolutely. I think it's a great ready overriding for theme. Boys, ready for another one.
0: There you um,
1: go. Yeah, but you can have your own personal renaissance. Use the treasure map, figure out what that would mean, and think bigger. You know, like,
0: I'll tell you what, just make yeah. it just since we're going to round the bend is since you said you're always ready for a great renaissance, I think you and I should have um, a home in certainly in Miami. I think we should have a home out someplace in uh, Big Sur or Camargo, Yep. Yeah. I think we should have a place in probably Paris because your relatives are French. And I think we should be in, you know, Julie's. We hinted at it earlier. Julie's father's side of the family or they come from a very. Long line of very famous French people, and I mean other places too, yeah, right? Sure. I mean in the Golden Triangle, where the, the supercar triangle over in Modena, Italy. <laughs> I, I know. mean, how how cool would it be able <laughs> well, to wake why up, not? And
1: you know, like hear the swan song
0: of a beautiful V twelve Lamborghini blasting down the countryside? <laughs> you I'd have love your that. version. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, exactly. No, but you're
1: right. You're right. And you know, I I think that part of that, I'm inspired also to give Zoe different um, exposures, and I mean, we had a. Okay, so we went to Mexico when we were in high school. That, that's a little bit of something. With
0: Julie's mom's Spanish class, not yeah. by ourselves.
1: No, would definitely wouldn't do that by ourselves. Um, but, you know, I'm inspired to give her those experiences as well. I'm, I'm reading, um, I can't remember the name of the book now. It's uh, Lady in Waiting, and it's about um, Anne Glenconan, I believe is her name. She, she was kind of uh, attached to the royal family, but not royal and she was talking about all of the experiences she had as a kid. Now, she was a privileged kid. She could travel around to all kinds of different castles. But it, it makes me think about being six years old and having just radically cool exposure. I have another proposal for you. Yeah.
0: When the gym finally opens up again, Yeah. I think we should hire Bella. And Bella, guys, oh his gosh. legs are like tree trunks. This guy's like a little, I mean... I, I hope he didn't hear me call him a little, but he's short. <laughs> you he, will pay for that. He's shorter than me, and I'm not tall. But
1: where is he from again? Uh, Bulgaria,
0: Bulgaria or something? Yeah, he sounds, he just sounds scary. He does, and, but he's super nice, a great guy, yeah. but just ridiculous. Yeah. And he's our age too. And he, he would, knows yeah. how to
1: work out like nobody's. So you will we, do more reps. You will use more weight. You will suffer. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, we can hire him. I think we should hire him, able and I think
0: we should start seeing him probably three days a week. And I sure. think you and I, you and I are I'm in good game. shape. But I think you and I should basically set a goal of, of being in pinnacle shape. Sure. Like ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. And as far as financial goals, we we, we've talked about financial goals all the time, so we know what yeah. those are. Yeah. So I think we yeah. should start thinking bigger. Well, like, you know,
1: we have to set the example.
0: Because it would be too easy for us at this point for you and I just to level off because you sure. know we're living our kind of dream iterations of ourselves. Would it you have? Suck. Would you have guessed that you know? No. No.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't even have guessed back in May of last year. <laughs> Until we did,
0: I know. I feel the ocean breeze really breeze coming off the. You know, it's unbelievable living here, and I know. we have, we feel so blessed. Carrots
1: in the backyard, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And
0: iguanas that are like five feet long.
1: You know, what's cool about Puerto Rico? I was telling you this last night when we were at the beach. The ocean, at least where we are in the north central edge of the island, the ocean generally does not try to kill you. You know. We don't have, like, ginormous... There are areas of the island that are known for surfing, but, you know, like, you can swim out a good 300 feet and and not be sucked out to sea here. Here. If
0: you go over to Palmas...
1: Sure, they're they're more serious. But the water's warm. Right. You can swim all year. It's pretty amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. we could tell you guys some stories of things we've seen. Just wouldn't believe it. It's so beautiful here. Well, they have manatees over in Palmas. Yeah. And here, there's a... This is part of... uh, Was it Blue Whales' migration? Yeah. And
1: People, a few of our neighbors have seen him off the coast.
0: A true story. Um, now, we heard this second hand, but here's how the story goes. A guy that lives here was flying in on his private jet from God knows where, probably mm-hmm. Miami, mm-hmm. and he's flying over the ocean, and he looks out his window. He's not flying himself. He's flown, right? He looks out the window, and he sees a mother whale uh, giving birth into the ocean because the water here is clear. And so he told his jet pilot to circle back around so he could see it again. They didn't go too low to scare the whale, obviously. But he literally was able, from his Amazing. private jet window, to watch a whale being born. That's kind of cool. That's awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. Do we hate on him because he has a private jet?
1: No, I don't think so. Isn't
0: that crazy? It is crazy. How people, or some well, people are some people are thinking. Well,
1: that's, that's, th- that's a mindset check, right? So when you hear a story like that, do you say, well, that's just because, you know, you can only have those experiences if you're super w- rich or whatever your judge your initial judginess is? Or do you go, well, that's pretty awesome. I'd like to have that experience. And then go
0: online, Google what private jets cost.
1: And figure that. Shit out.
0: Yeah, because guess what, guys? A private jet, depending on how old it is, is not that expensive. You can get a private jet for the cost of what most of you guys are living in, as far as a house. Yeah. And you can, you know, research it. I have, or at the
1: very least, stop searching on kayak for fifty-dollar tickets, <laughs> where you sit in the back of the plane next to the bathroom and are miserable oh, the whole God. time. We I mean, come on, people. We used to do that though. Yeah, but not forever. No, because we didn't. I mean, I think that there's value in understanding how much that does suck so sure. that you can set goals.
0: Dude, we had a car cleaning you know? and detailing business. I mean, there was a lot of that that sucked.
1: <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah. But you know, you knew that. And so that I mean, we've had that talk about, you know, there's a reason that there are low wage jobs is so that you go have that job and you go, "Well, this kind of sucks. Maybe I don't want to do it forever. Totally. Maybe it's kind of crappy to be 10 dollars away from not being able to make my rent." What can I do to maybe upgrade some things? That's right, and it's okay if that's you know some of our listeners are working that crappy part time job and in real estate. So set the goal to lose the crappy part time job because you figure out how to be a listing agent.
0: That's right. It, it is better. Are we? So you know, I always wonder, Julie, because people accuse us of having some genus quoi or have having some spark or having you know we I've had I don't like that when people introduce us that way or talk about us yeah. that way because I think it is. Um, Not true. Truthfully, I don't think it's true. You and I were not great students. You know, you are mm-hmm. better than me. Right. Uh, we were not. Uh, I great think
1: that we have each other as a strength. Yeah, for sure. That, you know, that's but, part of it. But we are great but,
0: scholars. But what so what yeah. was if you had to go back in time to when we met in high school, when we uh, there were there are books that we are exposed to before we are exposed yeah. to people, you know, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. Yeah. You know, uh, and then don't select the small stuff. Well, that came later.
1: Reject. Yeah, from Jack
0: du But Um, if you look at all these other types of things that kind of enter into our lives, I still don't think, I I think at the end of the day, the one thing that made us where we are today was that we were, without even knowing the words, very cautious of allowing ourselves to be complacent for too long. Yes. And, And without actually knowing it, we intuitively knew that that would lead to a diminished life. Yes, I think, I I think, was think that. that's true. Right, and and did we learn that anywhere? We didn't learn it from our parents. No, But
1: I think it was a combination of exposure. giving ourselves, exposure, and you know, if you take our out west trip in the Miata, for example, I know that we didn't say when. I think our first trip, we were probably like twenty-two or something on probably. that trip. We didn't say to each other, "Okay, let's go do a a road trip so that we have better exposure." We didn't say that. We said, "You know what? We have just about detailed our last car for a while. We are sick of this crap. Let's just get in the car and go somewhere." Yep. But the the consequences that followed that because we did that, you know, it gets back to the whole. You don't really know where you're headed. Just take that first step. I'm really grateful that we did, and we did that several summers in a row. And you know, now we know what the crispness of montana smells like yeah. you know and and the have stars different thoughts the, the st- stars oh and, my
0: gosh the stars in montana at night you know, are just like all of those we things. actually some of you have had this experience but not many of you to see the milky way
1: it's incredible
0: it, it is uh you when you see a picture of it right that some you think it's fake right and i certainly thought that before i to I'd see, it, see it, it with
1: your naked eye not through a telescope not through binoculars that's incredible
0: it's spiritual.
1: It is. It is. I mean that that's something to put on to, your to see list. the
0: bend in the where yeah. we were. You could actually see the horizon bending. That's I don't even know how to describe it. I honestly, we've seen I'm, that, I'm, that twice:
1: words. once in Montana and once in uh, Arizona. Sedona. Yeah, and I and seeing the northern lights. Do you remember that was such as odd occurrence? We did see that in New Albany yeah. in October, right? Because I remember it happened on Halloween when we were out looking for the kids. Yep. To see like even red northern lights that I know. was just amazing. It was, you know. So all things to write down is, uh, you know, bucket list items.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you guys about another interesting experience. It was sort of not uh, – there's so many, Julie. It, and all, but look, I could tell, and you and I could tell stories forever about things that we now know in retrospect were
1: – Impactful.
0: Transcendental almost. Yeah. Right? And all sure. of them come from us being exposed to new things. Yeah. And all of them come from some – in some cases, there are all things that, like – we the times we've been to Europe and we've been to Europe mm-hmm. a bunch of times and being into going to Europe and walking around old Europe is pretty um, is amazing because then you like in Italy, for example, you were mentioning the plague mm-hmm. and, you know, you can't walk past anything in Italy where you're not literally tripping over history. Yeah, um, in, awesome. in England, for example, they, it's common for them to be digging a foundation for a house, and then to dig into Roman artifacts, mm-hmm. or them to dig into what was a you know a plague graveyard, and just all these crazy things. So in Europe, you're you're living constantly around the constant reminder that there are billions of people that came before you, and billions yeah. of people that come after you, and um, and I think that's kind of an interesting um, you know. Paradigm shift, Mm -hmm. especially if you came from a place like where we came from. Yeah, I mean
1: we think of history as you know, a couple hundred years old is old. Yeah, right. How about a thousand years old? I know. That's you know, when we were walking through Rome and you know, you (laughs) Roman ruins you can't just like move a giant statue of a sandaled foot easily because it weighs three thousand pounds, right? So you'd have like this semi modern building next to this really old, crusty, you know, four or five hundred year old building next to some piece of a statue on the lawn.
0: Well, here's another little it's funny anecdotal amazing. story that's just silly, really. So we were in Italy one of the last times, and the, uh, we had some extra time. We wanted to go to Milan. We'd never been there, mm-hmm. it, you know, coordinating with uh, plane travel, the whole thing. And so we ended up in Milan and we ended up staying at this hotel which was I, I all I remember was I didn't want you to show me the bill and it was only for like two nights and it know. was ungodly expensive. And we <laughs> thought, well that's just Milan, that's just Italy. Well it turns out we were there during Fashion Week. Yes. But we didn't know it. Okay, we are so we're going to <laughs> Milan to stay in this <laughs> ridiculously like a nice. Sturgis
1: experience. Right, exactly. That's what I I'm do saying. That. We didn't
0: plan it. it so crazy. we get to Milan um, after riding in a you know Mercedes limousine up from where'd we come from? Modena or I think Marinello? One of
1: those. We were at the
0: Ferrari yeah. factory. And then, and then we go up to Milan, and then it, in southern Italy, we were tall, and Julie and I are not we were tall. we at least normal. Yeah, we we're at least normal. And then we go up to Milan, and we're like walking around freaking people that look like they're from, Avatar. from the Avatar. They're right. like nine feet tall. And they are so freaking gorgeous. Oh, my yeah. God. Incredible. We we looked like buttholes walking around like that hobbits. place. We did. We looked like hobbits.
1: <laughs> <We're> like, <laughs> what is going on here? Is this a Milanese thing? Yeah. Uh, Milanese. And, but, it wa-
0: but it was. Well, we and, didn't know. We but didn't it, know. it was Fashion Week. It was
1: Fashion Week. Because we eventually week. wandered into that. Yeah. And we are like, oh, okay. I felt a little bit better then.
0: Yeah, but that was so funny. But so that's we're wa- also
1: an incredible experience. You it know, was. To just see all of that happening.
0: Right. So to be in Milan during yeah. Fashion Week and... You know, to walk around. It, it's not, oh, Tim, Julie, cl- expensive clothes and all that. Look, you do or you don't care about that stuff. That wasn't the point. The point was to be around such a bizarre experience. And that, that we was would, by mistake, too. By mistake. Yeah. Right. I, you know, and there was a time when you and I were in, um, we watched the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade <laughs> from the top top of the.
1: The, um, not the World Trade Center, the uh, Empire State Building.
0: Yeah. We didn't know. the Because late-
1: we couldn't get through the crowd. Right. So we found that and went to the top. That was pretty amazing, too. It yeah, wa- very cool.
0: I, okay, here's another funny story. We're in Paris.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And there's a, a Bon Temps? Print Pr- Temps. Print right. Which so is there's, a
1: famous uh, department store with really beautiful things inside.
0: So we're in uh, Paris, and we're walking around, and um, we run into... Uh, English, You know, they're, I think, the Canadians, actually. And they asked us where we're from. We said Ohio. And they go, oh, you're from Ohio. We got something to show you. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. And they took us around the, around the corner in this massive department store, this multi-layered department store that was just elegant, as you can possibly imagine. And we, they took us around the corner. And in the window, facing, you know, the public, remember, this is France, there was all this s and bondage stuff. And there were all these just crazy perverse sex things. And they thought it was hilarious because they, I guess we turned beet red because we were from well, Ohio. We'd we I'd never seen anything like that on a display.
1: That'd be like walking past Macy's and seeing that. I know, but it was
0: so funny yeah. how different that was and having an exposure. Do you and remember
1: where we end up that evening?
0: I'm, don't, don't, okay. don't jump on my story. All
1: right. So Just this, making sure
0: you... I know. So this department store is multi-layer. So I don't remember if it was this trip or another trip. So we walk in and they're having a, a lingerie fashion oh, yeah. show. Yeah. And there's this escalator, obviously. These escalators go up and down. And everyone's standing around. We had no idea. Everyone's speaking French. We speak a little bit of French, and not hardly any. But we picked we up that there French. was something that was going to be focused on the escalators. And so we just Julie went off to look at something. I started, watch, you know, looking at the escalators. And then this music started. And then all of a sudden, basically, I don't even know. What, call them clothes. They're barely, barely close. close. There was this freaking lingerie show of lingerie that Victoria's Secret would never have sold.
1: Not even close. And
0: there's all these old ladies and all these just people from the you know downtown Paris. They were just it was watching. A thing. It was a thing. They were watching all these models. But I but-
1: remember side story to this. I remember thinking, you know what, I can park Tim here for at least an hour. And you did. And I did. And I went over to the Chanel counter inside that. Yeah, place because I Because my thought was, and I think. I guess we were probably 30-ish or so.
0: I had a good time. But I
1: thought, you know what? I, I have never been like somebody who naturally does a lot with my makeup. I always was a little insecure about that. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to the Chanel counter in Paris, and I'm going to have them do it for me so that I will never second guess what my choices are You again. talk about this
0: in the book, don't you? I do
1: talk about this in Paris yeah. Rules because, you know, that was one of my – I had – my mom didn't wear that much makeup. I was, never went to like a makeup tutorial – you know, uh, I would say Coach Rochelle's had some influence on me on some of these things. But I thought, I can park Tim at this lingerie show, wander off, get my Chanel thing sorted out. And to this day, I'm, a, I'm brand loyal to Chanel. Um, and then, after that, after the show was over and I had my makeup thing done... Then we go up the escalator.
0: Okay, so the es- the the I think it was 5 stories tall, right? Yeah, I think that's about right. And like it was almost like a Willy Wonka thing, you know, where every level was just a different new experience. It, it's not like a it's not like freaking going to a department store in Columbus, Ohio. Let me tell you.
1: Not <laughs> even in New York City. It was beyond no, that.
0: No. It was beautiful. Oh my god, we it's could talk stunning. about the chocolate store that we discovered on accident in Paris. We'll save that for the next one. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> I
1: still get their emails.
0: A, a there. multi-layer level candy store.
1: Ugh, that it was, was like a candy museum.
0: It was Willy Wonka. It, F-A-U-C-H-O-N.
1: Yeah, I'm it's, probably Will, saying it wrong, it's
0: Willy Wonka had he actually, you on, know.
1: On some kind of acid, I guess. I don't <laughs> know. Was, it's
0: incredible. All right, so we keep on going to the different, we heard that there's a little cafe on the top of this, um, you know, department store and, and, you know, Julie and I have always been coffee fans, so we're thinking cafe, this sounds like a good idea, even though it was, you know, getting to be dusk. And so we go you know up one layer, level, level level level, and all of a sudden we walk out on top of this big rooftop terrace, and we see in the way in the distance, we see the Eiffel Tower. And I don't remember what I said or I don't remember there were some words said to the effect that there's the Eiffel Tower, we wonder if it has lights on it or something, and we were maybe there was another couple that was up there that were you know off at their table, and then the second you and I said that had that exchange off in the distance because we honestly didn't know. This is how dumb we were. But the Eiffel Tower then lit up, and if you guys have not seen the pictures of the Eiffel Tower at night lit up, so beautiful, stunning, stunning. And so we're just standing there, like, holy shit, what are we seeing? And the Eiffel Tower after seeing it's all the glittering things, glittering, yeah, glittering, surprising. like it look, It did look like the most beautiful Christmas tree you've ever seen. And this was off in the distance, and right after, and we just stood there and stared at it. Right,
1: like the most perfect t- unintended timing.
0: Yeah, after the it's S&M uh, Street View show, after the porn show, after, or, I mean, the uh, lingerie show, after all this, and then yeah. you go to the top of this sort of bizarre, you know, department store, and you get to the top, and there you have this unbelievably incredible beautiful thing of off on the horizon. Well, I'll tell you something else. You want to stay on this trip? Sure. All right. This is the same trip to Paris or a different one?
1: I don't know. I I think we've, on, we've only been to Paris once, so it's the same trip.
0: All right. So, Julie and I, we Thank when we we're in cities, we walk. We don't take cabs or what we
1: don't plan the crap out of it either. no we don't we might have one significant thing that we want to do a day yep. but it's not like you're going to do a b and c or else
0: so julie's as i mentioned family comes from very if you want to uh, google it sasha guitry g-u-i-t-r-y so um we knew he was famous when we run into somebody to this day that is from you know a parisian or let alone from france and we mentioned that julie's maiden name is guitry We've had experiences on international travel and, and, I mean, just different places where people have asked for her autograph. And because it's a great, great, I don't even know what. It
1: usually starts just by them looking at my driver's license or her Somebody's passport. checking me in or whatever. Yeah.
0: We keep her yeah. maiden name on her passport so that we can actually use that to our advantage yeah, when, we go, when we go to Paris because <laughs> then we can get free drinks. Yes. <laughs> We've had that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyway, we're looking for this graveyard. Do you remember the name of it? Advanced trivia question.
1: I can't pronounce French to save my life, but it's in Montmartre, M-O-N-T-M-A-R-T-R-E, which is a, a neighborhood in France. It's a very, very, very old neighborhood in Paris.
0: Yeah, and you walk down this beautiful long... It's
1: where Amelie, the movie Amelie, was filmed.
0: Yep, you walk down this beautiful long staircase and you get to this um, this graveyard. And in the graveyard's not like a Midwestern graveyard. The graveyard's like... Uh, it is massive. It goes back, obviously, you know, to the, the dawn. Well, they have of, the
1: fancy crypts and the fancy gravestones yeah. and the arches and the just like.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was historic
1: looking. It's been in tons of movies. Yeah, tons of movies. The
0: graveyard has. Yeah, it, I don't. Even, they probably don't even call it a graveyard there, do they? They I probably don't. call it something else, something fancy, something in French. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so we are looking for her, um, her relatives' graves. And remember, I told you guys they were really famous, and. Again, we speak a little bit of French, and, there Very people, and the people there were historians that ran the graveyard. Basically, you Those could they walk had, like a map of right of all the people. famous. Area, and they were um, so we walked in there, and we said we were looking for Sasha Guitry's grave, and, yep. and they said something to us like, "We don't know what the hell they said," but they kept on telling us like they kept on pointing like
1: at it's it. right over there. Yeah, and,
0: and, and it couldn't have been right over there because right over there was like thousands of graves, yeah. and we we're like, "What but the hell are you help talking me out about?" A so it turns out his. Uh, I don't even know what it was. It's not. It wasn't even a grave. It wasn't. What was it? It's His more of a monument. monument. Yeah. yeah. Where he was buried was. Right the, there. You, you know. It was right there. I don't. How do and I? It had
1: roses on it. And it but had how do I describe like,
0: this? You walk past what basically was this massive um, monument. Yeah. Archway with this huge grave with this huge everything. We thought. That was the entrance to the graveyard. No. <laughs> it wasn't. That was his grave. Yeah. So he was
1: It wasn't just like a little tiny headstone or something. No. It, it was it was really like a building honestly i know and i'm like you've got to be kidding me
0: yeah you it know was, it was like it a freaking was building.
1: It was amazing. And and just little Carol's been there too. It's very cool. bit well, just, you know, you really gives you pause. bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit so like don't fight it. You've get, it's like you're back to our podcast. You know, you have an obligation to have your shit together and be wealthy. Yeah, you do. You do. Not just to yourself, but to your future offspring. I'm going to tell know? a car story. All right, then we've got it. I have to
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm going to tell a car okay, story. Go All ahead. right. So I remember when I was a little kid and we were living at 223 uh, East Selby, a little 1300 square foot house and there's five of us that lived there. I remember there was 60 minutes it was on. And they I remember I was watching 60 Minutes with my dad, and there was a episode where, I think it was Morley Safer. I
1: think that's right. Was
0: visiting Lamborghini in Italy. And I've always loved cars. I got it from my dad. I just read Road and Track, car magazines. I love cars. I love cars because they're kinetic art. Not all cars. Some cars are horrible. But yeah. the fact is, is that when you're looking at something really beautiful, you're looking at functional art. That is, and it resonates with me. I love every aspect of something really beautiful. You know, if I were looking at a beautiful piece of furniture, uh, I appreciate it, but I don't quite understand how it was made. I do understand how cars are made. And I do understand because we've, Julie and I have been to tons of places where they make amazing cars. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember watching that 60 Minutes, and I remember watching um, what's his name? Morley Safer. And the, uh, the, the oh, Lamborghini guy. Um,
1: Balboni. Bal- I'll think of it in a second.
0: You can Google it real quick. Yeah, Lamborghini test driver. driver, Yeah, Yeah. so I remember watching that, and I remember watching him take him on a drive in a Countach, and basically the 60 Minutes guy was visibly scared out of his noggin. Um, And I remember watching this with my dad about this Lamborghini test driver taking the 60 Minutes guy down this uh, beautiful, you know, uh, country road in you know Modena. Balboni. Balboni. What's his first name? Valentino. Valentino Balboni. Yeah. And Valentino Balboni, who is the test driver, is taking him on this drive and is this guy, with, you know, is probably in his 30s. And I remember getting so emotionally unhinged watching this as a kid. I was so excited. It made my dad mad. My dad, very, you know, very uh, stoic and did not have yeah. real highs or lows in his emotions, did not, you know, it's kind of like your 1950s dad type of thing. And um, he got mad at me because I was getting so emotional watching this. He probably was in his own way appreciating it, but he did not have the same attachment to what we were seeing. And I just was beside myself with how I can remember to this day. You guys can probably hear it, my voice. Mm-hmm. So I'd always wanted, um, you know, Italian cars, just sports cars, Porsches, whatever it was. And that was one of the things that drove me when we were so less than poor. Yeah. Right. I wanted to have a Ferrari by the time I was 30. And Which I did. you did. Yeah, I did. That was one of the goals that drove me when I was um, in my twenties for us to do what we did. I wanted to have a Ferrari by the time I was 30 and I did. Um, and then I wanted to have other experiences after that. Because then I realized I could do it and I realized what it took to get it was not at all as hard as what people make it out to be. Mm-hmm. And we had a house at the time we'd had, you know, we had lived over and you know, where we lived and it was really nice. It was, But we accomplished it. We could have just leveled off right there, but we didn't. But and, and then we, Julie and I eventually um, started to, ex- we had a little car collection. We expanded into um, Lamborghinis. And I remember being at a Lamborghini thing in uh, Monterey for Car Week. Yeah. Is that where we first met Valent- uh, Balboni?
1: I think so. Or yes. We, or I know. he was at a car show. Then we met him in Italy. He also yeah. um, and he almost ran me off the track in, yeah. in that Lambo event in uh, California. Yeah, California We ran into him like, Freaking all the time we raced
0: lamborghini's at california motor speedway well you raced i
1: kind of piddled around yeah, but, yeah. Julie was the
0: slowest one there
1: <laughs> I yeah. did it though
0: yeah and she she practically you know passed out she was so nervous to do it but she did it and so we had this experience and, and now we, and we met this guy to me he i mean obviously he was a you know test driver and well, we became friends with him and he's such a sweetheart and we just saw him in march Very and remembered classic. us and just really nice and but for me but every time i see him i remember back to that moment when yep. i was a kid where i was having that little experience with my dad where i so when i see him you know, he probably just says oh god here comes these you know people that are going <laughs> to talk about 60 minutes again but every time i see him yep. i i feel that little spark and just hearing it and thinking about it now it motivates me yeah and i and i wonder had i allowed at that point um, my dad's behavior of trying to admonish my excitement over something. Or at
1: least tamp you down on it. Right,
0: but he didn't. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying he didn't try, because he did.
1: No, but you you were somehow immune to it.
0: I was. Yeah. And um, I still am. <laughs> so yeah. the reality of it is, and God God rest his soul in heaven, yes. right? Yes. Um, I'm not disrespecting, just stating a fact. that. So whatever headwinds you guys had in your sort of parental support structure with regards to you thinking big right there with you, Um, But I think back to that type of thing. And I think that combined with other things that only come on the other side of experience. Yes. Those are the biggest, most monumental things that have happened in our lives outside of obviously other things that have shaped us because we were willing to allow ourselves the discomfort of exposure.
1: I agree with that. And, you know. I've had coaching clients that are like uh, really freaked out by flying, for example. And I'm not a big fan of flying, probably because I don't get to control the plane. I have some kind of issue with that. But what I always say to them is, look, I I overcome that because my desire to have other experiences and to see things and do things is stronger than my fear of flying. So whatever you're fearful of, your goals had better be bigger than that, or you're never going to do anything.
0: Yeah, but I wonder, Julia. You, you, you know, know your, I mean? your mom doesn't like to travel. Your mom, if you are back, yeah, in co- but
1: she's she'll get on a plane if she, right. You know, she'll talk herself into it.
0: But but if we were, but, yeah, but mean, if we were back in that same environment, yeah, your fear of flying,
1: I it could have manifested into some. Real it would fear. have. We have had coaching clients that, that it's just too strong, and we work on that. And
0: everyone around them starts yeah. saying, "Oh, listen, you don't need to fly. Everything you need to do right. in this world, you can drive up." Well, to it's Lake confirmation Gary.
1: bias, right? You right. you'll look for something to reinforce what freaks you out. I mean, the the whole political environment is totally like that. You can choose anything. But my point is that your goals have better be stronger than your fears. Your desire for experiences, because those experiences lead to things that you you haven't even had that thought. I didn't specifically have the thought, I want to go to Milan for Fashion Week. But because we had the guts to go to Italy... And to walk around and have new experiences, we got to see Fashion Week in Milan. You and see? now you want to go back, right? Exactly. But it, it didn't happen like seeing the Eiffel Tower light up from the top of Printemps. That that wasn't a specific goal, but it happened because we wanted to go to Paris.
0: Well, here I, I know you, you know want to saying? take a break, but here's another thought for you. Okay. Yeah. When we were it, when we grew up in Columbus, Ohio, mm-hmm. and again, not picking on Columbus, I'm just that's the that's our common thread, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was abnormal for people to think and act like. We do.
1: I would say generally that's true, yeah. Okay,
0: so furthermore, it was abnormal for people not to be having kids at a younger age than we have. Yes, that's okay? definitely So it's abnormal for people not to be satisfied with having essentially a version of what their parents have. Yes. Okay, so when we went to Europe, let alone, frankly, uh, New York yeah. and uh, L.A. and all that, it is oh, normal terrible. to yeah. see people that are, in, that are older that have children.
1: Yes. Whereas, well, even here.
0: I know, that's true. Well, in, especially here. In Italy, it yeah. was very normal yeah, for that's true. you know, the, the, so that again, that type of exposure, well, cultural
1: exposure and in at some point some of these experiences might make you feel like not the freak because maybe you're the only one that you know that's motivated. Yep. You know, and maybe you think that makes something wrong with you. And but then you go and you travel and you see Wow, you know that's pretty incredible that that person was able to do that. Or you go watch somebody land on the International Space Center. You know, like those astronauts, cool as cucumbers. You can do that, okay? That that's thinking differently, and that's okay. You want to take a break? I'm, I'm good. Yeah.
0: Okay. You said what you got. Had to come <laughs> yeah, come to I say. I
1: actually need a little bit of allergy medicine, but oh, yeah. Oh, okay. All yeah, right, well, we can round the bed. You know, the, but to to put a. Quasi period at the end of the sentence, not that we ever really do because we're going to be podcasting tomorrow. Um, I think that if they get what they, what I would like our listeners to get out of this other than just being entertained with our crazy stories is a reset to your goals and to decide what do you What do you want out of the rest of the year? Because if you don't, you're just going to be handed what you're going to get out of the rest of the year you're, you're just going to take whatever you know is on the news today and you're going to ruminate on that versus saying, you know what, I'm in control of the rest of the year. Maybe I can't control everything, but I can control some things like the goals in five areas of life I can find in the treasure map. Now's the time to have that hard reset and do something about it.
0: Text the word survival to 31996. You guys can also buy our book, which is on Amazon, Paris yep. Rules. The book is coming out in the audio form, though I don't know how soon. Our publisher is in control of that. Um, and we have, did I tell you we have an audiobook publisher that's different than our book publisher? Did you know that? Yes. Yeah. Which that's, just kind of convolutes the whole thing. It doesn't even make sense. It's all right. I mean, whatever. We'll get it done. We don't have to read it.
1: <laughs> that's the important thing.
0: Yeah. So the moral of the story, guys, is there's. we are doing our best to, be, uh, to give you guys a path forward. We probably came from less than what most of you have come from. And we probably had higher mountains to climb than at least most of you. Um, and we're going to keep on ascending. And I'll leave today's show with this. You don't have to have ups and downs in your life for your health, for your you know, your finances, for your relationships. You can have every year being better than the previous year. The, the mindset or the thought that you have a good year than a bad year or a good run than a bad run is voluntary. And the bad run happens when you are complacent. The bad run happens when you have chosen chosen not to constantly be moving forward, and if you've got to look spark some sort of emotional response, like you know watching sixty minutes when you're a kid and seeing a Lamborghini, you know blast down a country road in in Italy, if that's what it's going to take, or if it is going to take essentially listening to a beautiful piece of music, um, really force yourself to be okay being uncomfortable because on the other side of the discomfort is where the real growth needs to be and that's an amazing gift if you allow yourself to have it. I strongly encourage all of you guys to don't give up on life. Don't give up on yourself. Not even a little bit. Look, if you're fat, get unfat. If you're broke, get unbroke. There's so many examples, like when Julie and I were talking, we were telling all of our stories. This was pre-internet. Now you guys yeah. have so much easily, you're so easily exposed to things because the internet. Back when Julie and I were kids, the idea of going to Europe, you know, from where we're from, it would seem like some far out exotic thing that people only did when, you know, whatever. But now it's a normal thing for, you know, people yeah. to travel and not even think twice world. about it. Right. Now, maybe it isn't for you. That's your lack of exposure. And so what I strongly encourage all of you guys to do is realize that you are, even though this is, without a doubt, one of the most challenging times on a macro level for our, our economy and for a lot of people, you don't have to suffer because we're in a recession or a depression. You don't have to actually, you, participate. Can, you can choose not to participate. You make right? your own economy. That's it. At the end of the day, we did it. Hey, when we are coming up, we, have nev- we never sold real estate in a boom market. We never have done anything in a boom market. And matter of fact, I would say it's easier to help people make money when things are uh, tough and tight because those who are willing to truly uh, learn the skills necessary um, to make the most of a, a down market are the ones that do the best. And that's what this time is about. So guys, do text the word SURVIVAL to 31996. In the meantime, hey, sweetie, I love you.
1: I love you too. Good show.